Hello, everyone, friends, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies to Watery Desho's podcast patron exclusive for now, uh, timed exclusive, as they say in uh, the video game biz. It is Desho the Third. Our series of uh, the our first core is complete of Desho the Third. Uh, the first time we have covered three shows uh, in a season, and it's gone really well, and I'm extremely happy that we've gotten to do this because we've gotten to cover Rakugo, and like, it's just been such a good experience. Um, I am the Subtle Doctor, as you know, uh, your host, a man who just learned that there is such a thing as a Minmi. <laughs> That's a real item. <laughs> In that was once in this world, uh, no longer. Uh, the, the the laughing man uh, to <laughs> that's me. Uh, the laughing you're right, man is. Uh, I just is, thought yes. I'd become one of those deaf mutes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, very good, very good. Uh, you may have noticed. You may have noticed that Shadan is not here. Um, the astute among you. We'll see that uh, Shadan was otherwise occupied today. And so uh, graciously, uh, our friend and yours has agreed to uh, come and be a guest host. Uh, You'll know him from Ono Anime, uh, podcaster, video creator, entertainer, (laughs) DJ, uh, sage of all things J music. It is Uh, Mark. Hello. Welcome, Mark. It is I. I'm here. Uh, thank you so much for having me back once again, Subs. It is always uh, a, a joy to be on, a joy to be talking with you, um, especially about this, one of the greatest anime ever made. And that is my opening statement. Boom. <laughs> Gaunt, gauntlet thrown down. Subtlety be damned. Um, subtlety be damned. Uh, you know, my namesake, screw it. Don't care. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Mark, do you want to uh, tell everybody at the top where they can find your work? And we'll remind them again at the bottom. But uh, Yeah, sure. You know? Um, so, you could just go to our website. It's uh, onoanime.moe or onoanime.com, whichever one is uh, uh, better for you. If you're embarrassed to type in a .moe address into your address bar, I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that'll just have all of our links. But, yeah, we're on YouTube and Twitter and everything. You can You can find everything that we do there. That's basically it. Cool, cool. Um, hello to folks in chat. See Gogo Atomic Robot and Grizz, among others. Um, someone is asking, uh, do you like the Flip Flappers OP? Um, this may seem <laughs> random. It has it, it has been a, a that is, object of discussion. Uh, a song by the artist Zach, if I am... <laughs> If I am correct, is that, right? Is that real? Is that Z- true? Well, Z-A- That's incredible. I don't know if it's Zach or if her name is pronounced Zach Hugh. Um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's just Zach. But yeah, it's a good song. Um, it's among the better uh, Zach songs. I like the sort of drum and bass feel Zach. that it has to it. So yeah, the Flip Flappers OP is good. I like it officially. You could put that down, mark that down on the record. Put, put me in the Excel spreadsheet that... You have running of people that like and don't like the, you know, it's like, uh, what is it? Oh, there's a Q. <laughs> Z-A-Q. Yeah, Z-A-Q. Um, 
Amazing. I was going to say, it's like that scene in <laughs> Happy Gilmore where Steve Buscemi is like crossing off a list of people that he's like going to kill from his childhood. It's like, if you want to just cross <laughs> me off the list of people to kill that don't like the <laughs> the flippers opening, then <laughs> just go ahead and do that. <laughs> Mark Me Down is officially like it, and Flip Flappers is a great show. Man, this is a, a Happy Gilmore reference on the podcast. Yeah, That's well, one look, Let nobody that say I that expect. I am not an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not a, an Adam Sandler lover. That's how we sort the good from the bad people. Yeah. Is Do you love the early period Adam Sandler Listen, movies? Listen, I love, I'm a hockey fan. <laughs> I'm a, a, a fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, uh, I love all my hockey movies. I love Happy Gilmore. I love Slapshot. Uh, Wait a minute, Goon. That's a hockey. I thought that was a golf. It movie. It is a golf movie, but he is a hockey player in the movie. That then, so I count it. I count it. God damn it. Fair. I mean, with the lack of representation. Listen, in yeah, it's either Slapshot you or take Sean you William get. Scott's Goon and or Miracle. Those, oh. those are your three. <laughs> uh, you, you're leaving out like the the seminal hockey movies, like the formative ones for. I feel like what, Mystery Alaska? most people of our generation. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. Oh right, one Mighty through Ducks. three. Right, 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 right. You wouldn't you wouldn't classify Flying those you wouldn't classify those as aggressive inline movies. <laughs> I mean, they're no they're movies? no Brink. <laughs> they're no Brink. That's so, yeah. Do you, well, do you know brink, uh, Do you know the movie the Disney Channel original oh, movie Brink? I am intimately familiar with Brink. First yes. first time I ever heard the term yeah. "fam" used in my life was in that movie. <laughs> Wow, the the genealogy, not the genealogy, the etymology of the fam. etymology of fam can be I didn't traced know you all could, the way back. I didn't to know break. you could. <laughs> wow, dude, that movie came out at a big. That like, movie kicked ass. That was a big moment for me. It should fucking did, yeah, dude. That movie kicked. Brink ass. ruled. Yeah. The young people in our audience are just like, what the hell? But like, yeah. listen, when when I was like, listen, if you don't God, know Brink, a teenager, if you don't know Halloween Town, if you don't know Smart House, if you don't know Xenon. Girl of the 31st Century, or whatever the hell that movie was called, then you're dead to me. Luck of the Irish? Well, well, I'm not going to go that far, but I will say. <laughs> yeah, listen, I understand you have to maintain a semblance of neutrality on this, this being your show, <laughs> but I am bound by no such laws. <laughs> like, I, I remember after I saw Brink, like, I was at that impressionable age where I was like, Yo, I want to be a skater. Oh yeah, and I want to dress like these dudes. Yep, and talk like these dudes. And everything that happened to and me. I was like, Ma, take me shopping, mom. That happened to me after watching Brink. And it also happened to me after playing the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I was like, I am <sighs> going to be a skateboarder. That is my life. And it did not happen. How that? <laughs> it did not work. <laughs> Spoilers. Out. Um. So did did you just get hurt? Like, did you just say this is not for me? Dude, like, did I you, didn't even get that did, far. I I was so scared of getting hurt that I rarely did anything of note. I think I dropped in on a half pipe like once or twice, and that was about it. Yeah, but I I yeah, did I, have oh. a bird. I had a birdhouse skateboard, like a fairly like good. I got it for Christmas, and I rode it. It was a nice skateboard. I'm kind of bummed that I still don't have it, but uh, 
it's I, I I did it. I went to skate parks. I tried, but getting hurt is not a thing that I particularly enjoy. So it, it sucks. did not last very long for me. Me neither. Yeah. Yeah, I hurt my wrists and that was kind of that was it. Uh and that was just trying inline. Like yeah. I also tried to skateboard and it was it was just embarrassing. I didn't get hurt thankfully, but it was it was real It was yeah. Not a good look for me. is a very good way to describe my short skateboarding career. <laughs> I'm much better at but it. I than still in a video I saw game. the clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you do you have the new the new one? The remake. Oh yeah. I yeah. played the shit out of it. Yeah. God. I I I put probably 15 hours into that thing and just destroyed it. Yeah. I want to play it so bad because it's, so it's been so long it's so since good. I played those just two games. Got coming into that opening menu with Goldfinger Superman just blasting. Oh, the opening cinematic with with uh, Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine. Oh my god, I've never been more hyped in my entire life. Yeah, it's a good Man. game. It's a really good game. <laughs> It's just weaponized. It's must- our nostalgia has been effectively I know, weaponized against us. But it's like us. good, like the rare mm-hmm. good nostalgia. It's like, oh no, this is a cool, good, cool thing that is not, like, is not just like, like, uh, me looking back on this thing with rose tinted glasses. This is like me being reminded that oh shit, this was like this is good and always was good, and was like That's a right. super cool lightning in a bottle type thing. So, anyways, well. Speaking of lightning in a bottle, my <laughs> friend, we're going to talk about some animated lightning in a bottle oh, today. Yeah. Um, you're getting compliments on your your bookcase and and how well you you take oh. care of your books. By the oh, way, well, thank you. It's 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 yeah, almost yeah. all manga and comic books. Manga, comic, <laughs> which I guess books, is like and Warhammer forty thousand novels, and so I'm sure somebody out there will appreciate that. I mean, I, I see you too are a man of taste, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, yeah, I think you're co- like when they have mine to compare to, which my work bookshelf is just kind of a shitty thing that was at the office and <laughs> like the the books themselves, like I, I need to get. Yeah, but like, I see Vinland Saga. Some kind of there. things to like hold. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, yes. you could see Vinland Saga somewhere in the in the, in the back <laughs> there, too. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Cross Game is there in its entirety. Yeah. Um, others, but I think it's just because like some of them are like kind of tilted, and Emily is just saying you probably could like stand to like straighten it up a little bit yeah, for the I life don't know. of the books. I think books. that gives it a certain amount of rustic charm. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of rustic charm, I don't actually know if I'd characterize <laughs> it that way. I'm just trying There's to some say. rustic no, look, moments happening in these episodes so showa kenroku rakugu shinju Mm. um we have uh watched the final four episodes episodes 10 through 13 to discuss today and we're gonna and and we're gonna give our thoughts on the show as a whole Mm. um as we like to do when these things end um we don't have any patron questions that i saw um beforehand uh chat let me know though if there are some um since you are all also in the discord um and then i'll grab my phone and find them uh if that's the case but um before we get into talking about the episodes 
uh, I'm going to play a game that I really, really do like to play. Oh, boy. Uh, which is, um, you know, Doc reads names uh, to Mark. Okay. And Mark talks about them. Oh, shit. Okay. Because Mark is very knowledgeable. <laughs> I have to pull up the a and Wikipedia because I did not do my research mm-hmm. on these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Please. So um, there's just a couple uh, this won't be super long because all the screenwriters we have talked about in previous episodes. Uh, so we're just going to shout out the episode directors uh, now. And then, of course, if you have any additional people in the animation side of things or musically you'd like to shout out, feel free. I have to I have to preface. Um, this is going to be I, I'm going to I, I did take a bit of a different tack with this uh, than I did with uh, BNA. Mostly because I feel like there's a lot more about what's happening in the show to talk about this time around than mm, the mm-hmm. production. Um, I actually don't necessarily think the production of this show is the most interesting thing about it, which unfortunately, unfortunately, is a lot of the case with a lot of trigger shows. So, um, fair. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm pretty intimately familiar with Mamoru Hatakama, the director, the overall director who mm-hmm. obviously shaft, right. shaft veteran. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be looking at these names as you call them out and I will uh, let you know if I see anything interesting here. Cause, uh, um, I have not actually looked at these, uh, maybe ever. So. Cool. Well, we're going to put you on the spot Sweet. and it'll be a game of spontaneity. Um, so, uh, the director of let's see, we started on episode ten. So uh, Chiako Nakamura yeah. uh, was the director of episode ten. Uh, anything from the about their career or their CV jumping out at you that's noteworthy? Not really. Um, looks like they are pretty much you know just an episode director and storyboarder. Um, and I'm not really seeing where they work either but i mean you know this is definitely not the first time that they've directed an episode of something it was not the last time that they directed a some episode of something too but um looks like epi- a mercenary episode director is about as high on the anime production rung as they have ever risen um but yeah i don't really have anything else to say about it other than that well, let, let me ask you about a, a particular role. Sometimes these mm-hmm. things come up where I, where I see a credit and I think, uh, you know, because I don't know enough about this industry. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, I think, what, what, uh, what does this sort of job consist in, right? So um, a, a, an anime that immediately jumps out at me on this list is uh, the Get a Robo Armageddon OAV, which is right. an OAV that is just so near and dear to my heart. I adore Get a Robo Armageddon. Um and um, Nakamura uh, is credited with uh, color check. Color check, right? So, get a Robo Arm again. Let me see what year that's from. That is from the nineties. The nineties. So that would have been very late nineties, I think. Yeah, that right? would have been right on the cusp of when everybody was transitioning from uh, using cells in animation cells to digital. I think the last. One of the last, um, I actually want to say that 1999 was the last, um, yeah, this is from 1998. So this is probably cell animation, Hmm. if I had to guess. And um, color check is, I honestly think, probably a mostly uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's defunct a, position now. Um, right. Because right. when the original, um, um, you know, key animation is drawn on a sheet that's called a Genga. And then that Genga is passed to people that would then um, essentially use it as a tracing guide to um, trace lines onto and then paint colors onto a animation cell, which is a, a piece of celluloid. It's like a clear plastic mm-hmm. sheet that would then get put in a stack and pictures would get taken of it and then it would get put mm-hmm. on a film strip and that's how you create animation originally. That's not how it's done anymore. It's all you know, computer stuff nowadays. But um, the key animation guides, I don't know if any anybody's ever seen a, a, a Genga before. Shit, actually. I have some on my wall back there, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Genga essentially is just your lines. Um, and then within the lines, a lot of time you'll see like numbers and notes. And those numbers and notes refer to specific colors. So um, hmm. uh, color check, I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but I'm pretty sure color check is just make somebody who's making sure that uh, colors are consistent on an, on a series of cells like frame to frame, especially if multiple people are painting different cells and then they're all coming together mm-hmm. into the same animation sequence. Color check, I'm pretty sure, is just somebody who is going over the cells, you know, um, as they're coming in and just making sure that the colors are consistent so that when they go through the camera, it looks like an actual piece of animation and not just like this weird choppy mess, which is, you know, how it, how it would look um, if, you know, the colors were not consistent enough at least yeah you know so a lot that's, of this um, is detailed in azoken actually because they go really really sure really yeah. far into a, a shocking amount into cell animation in that show um, they do which i was yes. really happy to see <laughs> yeah that was um it was fascinating by the way and then yeah just uh definitely remember hearing about some of these things in that show yeah but um you know you know who could have used a color check who is that the people making the American Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you, you, you may or may not remember this, but uh, frequently the, I could, the I, colors of the, of the masks would be I, totally swapped around. With the, yeah. <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> I remember even as a child, I was like, what? This is wrong. Uh, so we've already talked about uh, one of the directors of episode 11. Um, mm. It looks like it had two, um, Naoki Murata, but we have not talked about uh, Masahiro Sonoda. Right. So let me pull up Sonoda here. Uh, anything I should know about Sonoda? So Sonoda is pretty interesting because he's not only a uh, he's got some screenwriting credits as well, specifically on the F Zero anime, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty Man, wild. Haven't seen it. <laughs> He's, is it is it wild? <laughs> uh, well, it's pretty wild that 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 seems to be one of his only script writing. Credits oh, I see. Is on F Zero Falcon Densensu or the Legend of the Falcon, which obviously is concerning <laughs> Captain Falcon's Captain Fal- Falcon backstory. origin story. <laughs> yeah, from two thousand three. Yeah. I, I I don't necessarily think that any of the F Zero anime were were particularly well received, but uh, um, boy, I I sure liked them. Because I'm a big F-Zero fan. Dude, F-Zero all... fucking rules. Yeah, F-Zero kicks ass. Uh, and it's great. They should make a new one. Um, I, like, it was a happy moment when my children through the Nintendo Switch Online were playing F-Zero. Oh, spontaneously. Like, the, I walked in on them. It was just like, 
pick the red one, guys. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, do I see the? I I noticed that um, Sonoda is the series director of uh, an incredibly infamous anime called Dance in the Vampire Bund. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, controversial when it came out. Yes, it is. And that uh, that manga is still inexplicably sold in just about every Barnes & Noble for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why I continuously see it there. Maybe it's not that it's still sold, but that nobody buys it. <laughs> right, let's hope. It's just, yeah, they freeze to get rid of it. Yeah. No one wants to go home with it. <laughs> They're like, guys, someone please take this. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, he did also direct some episodes of um, uh, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, though. Um, yep, excellent, excellent show. Yeah, I think that yeah he directs the episode where they finally find out what exactly they need to put into the Philosopher's Stone to make it work, which I will not spoil that for you if you haven't seen it. But that's a fantastic show. Go watch it. Yeah, that show is great. Yeah, go watch um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. An incredibly, <laughs> uh, an incredibly brave take from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're really putting yourself yeah, out there. Yeah, I'm really yeah putting my um, head on the chopping block with that one. But <laughs> um, uh, so we got Sonoda directing four episodes of. Um, I'm going to mention this one because it's sort of like in that like to use a really crude. Uh, kind of scale here it's sort of a b-tier anime i think Mm -hmm. but uh but i enjoyed it for what it was and and watched the fan subs when they when they came out and remember enjoying uh scrapped princess huh Um, i've never seen that one four episodes uh including uh, it's either the penultimate episode or the finale that sonoda directed here Mm. um and it is uh i remember bandai brought it over to america um, I don't, and maybe it's one of those things that Funimation picked up, uh, after, uh, Bandai kind of got out of the game. Um, but it's, uh, it's really, I thought it was had an interesting story concept. It's one of those where she, the main character, the scrapped princess, there's a prophecy she's going to bring doom. And so people are trying to get rid of her, but she's got a couple of really capable and awesome bodyguards. Um, and then, uh, minor spoilers, at episode four, it turns out, like, they're in the Matrix instead of in a medieval world. <laughs> so Holy it's, shit. It's, yeah, it's kind of wild. It's a backdoor um, isekai, kind of. A little bit. Um, <laughs> and at, at one point, um, she gets amnesia for multiple episodes, and it was incredibly frustrating. Jesus I. Christ. One of my least favorite tropes is I'd I'd much rather a character begin with amnesia than get it in the middle of the show yeah. and then it last for several weeks. It's, it was brutal. Um, yeah. So, oh, Akame Got Kill on here. That's a show that I. That's a show that exists I, that I I like despite it uh, <laughs> understanding it's not objectively good. <laughs> um, I don't blame you for that. It's it's a. That's uh. uh yeah, he's directed a, a, a considerable amount of episodes for some very beloved shows. Welcome to the NHK, um, uh, Shirakuma Cafe. Um, there's one other here that I saw right. on here that people really like, and I cannot. Oh, uh, Natsumi Yujin Show. Uh, people love that show, and he's directed a lot of uh, 
Episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. People, people love Natsume. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Deservedly the so. Book of Friends. From what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen the first season, and but I liked it quite a bit. Um, okay, so transitioning to the director of episode 12, uh, Tatsuya Abe. Tatsuya um, Abe. Name ring a bell or no? Uh, key animator, it appears. Bell. Lots of animation directing and key animation credits yeah. with the occasional episode director credit. Um, yeah, he looks like mostly a thing. key animator, so I would guess. Hell of a, hell of a uh, uh, you know, hell of a thing to cut your teeth on this this 12th episode but um yeah mostly key animator looks like yeah this is probably his one of his first uh yeah definitely de- not one of his first but definitely a a rare episode director position for him mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but it's 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 extremely hard to judge somebody's career solely by key animation credits without having sakuga boru loaded up and just like you know flipping through them but totally yeah but yeah, that's ooh story storyboarded a couple episodes of Elfin Lead, huh? Mm. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> that's uh, hey, you got to pay the bill somehow, I guess. Yeah, listen, um, people people like that show inexplicably. Oh man, and Quasar of Stigmata. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm just I'm finding Queen's Blade. I'm finding yeah. the rough ones. Yeah, but there's also there's also good stuff. There's you know you got your psychopaths. You got your uh, Madoka Magica. You've got your um, well. This isn't exactly good, but at, I feel like at the time it was well received. Vandred. I don't think if you go back and watch Vandred today, you'd be like, Probably "This is not, good." No. You'd be, a, no, no. That's it's <laughs> at the time. Yeah, at the time. Um, oh, t- <laughs> time. Vocon twenty four. Ooh, uh, just directed a an episode. Uh, it was an animation director, I should say. Yeah. Of uh, the first episode. Of the first and, uh, episode that show is of the reboot bonkers. of Time Bokan? Uh I I think twenty four, yeah, is is the new one, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it would be. Um Yeah. Yeah. Vintage we covered that sixteen. When so it came yeah. out on our show and uh I did not I was not the one watching it. Uh, <laughs> that show is Patrick has nuts. much more uh patience for long running children's show than I, shows than I do. Longest I ever made it was Tribe Cool Crew. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, that's an exceptional show. Can I oh, just yeah. say? I mean, I love Drive Cool Crew so much. Yeah, I, I, it's it's terrible, but I I love it. <laughs> Is it? Uh, it? I can't really see through my enjoyment. No, to... it's 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 got some good it's got some good shit in it. But I there's no absolutely no way I could have sat through all I don't have how many episodes there were fifty six or whatever. <laughs> but it's got some like moments. oh there. They're really fifty six. I don't. I don't think I finished it. Well, it's like um, one of those shows that Toho was like testing out all of their three uh, D like motion capture dance technology on. That yes. they went on to use with the. Uh, uh, is it Prepara? Is that Toho's thing? What I don't know. I, I don't it's know. either Prepara Icots. I can't remember which one, but like whatever their big, uh, uh, like children's idol property is, they they ended up like using a bunch of like really specific. Uh, 3d like motion capture technology on for mm-hmm. all the dancing scenes and stuff because idols yeah that's what drives well, the well, we got a lot of good it's true we got a, a lot of good music out of that experiment though and Tribe cool I, is it all available 
Is is the soundtrack fully available? Because the last time I looked, which was a while ago, but I I couldn't find it. I the only um, way that I think that you would be able to find the Tribe Cool Crew soundtrack is if you lived in Japan and like went to like an otaku music store or something like that was selling the like CD or whatever. Because every anime gets a, an official soundtrack or whatever release, but you know we only get whatever people decide to like upload and you know. Because there's, there's, yeah. you know, that that shit never gets officially released over here. So, only well, very more of it's coming to Spotify, but like, at least there's like, I, I, I feel like it's more likely that stuff like that will come to Spotify now than it was. Yeah, well, yeah, there are Tribe a lot Cooper of anime out, soundtracks and anime like openings and endings that are making their way onto Spotify these days, and that seems to be mm-hmm. just about the only place that you can listen to them officially other than YouTube, um, which has a shocking amount of like officially uploaded anime music. But um, uh, yeah, ever since that, what is that? What is that anime like music streaming service that they tried out over here for a while? I can't even remember what it was called, but I, I, I don't even know if I know, know about this. <laughs> there was a, so it's, it's, it was called, Oh God, I can't even remember what it was called, but, but essentially it was, like avex and like a bunch of different other like you know record companies like king Mm -hmm. records and all them like essentially it's very successful in japan they have like a like dedicated like any song streaming service that just has like you know all the openings all the endings from like all these different like record labels um and they tried it over here and then closed it i want to say like almost a year later (laughs) like like not even sad i can't remember what it's called very sad yeah it was Maybe somebody in chat knows or or remembers it, but I I tried it. It had some good stuff on it, but then they never put mm. anything else on it. It was like you know they had like about you know maybe a couple thousand songs, and that was about it. So, anyways, ah, uh, what could have been? Yeah, the, the closest thing I remember to that is um, I don't know if you uh had a Suncoast video oh, near you when it, it was I'm still sorry, a thing. It was called Annie Uda. Okay. Ani Uta, the Annie Song streaming service. There you go. Mm. Um, I did not have Annie, a Suncoast video. I think. Uh, I think the only thing that we had was like, Fye, or mm-hmm. like whatever the mm-hmm. like Sam Goody, whatever the like mall equivalent, like music slash video right. store. So Suncoast is sort of what kind of what was like my supplier for sort of the early anime year like forming that habit and yeah uh right before they kind of closed down when once dvd had taken off and they were really just had a shocking amount of anime yeah uh to buy they also started like acquiring t-shirts and soundtracks and i just remember oh, wow. being surpri- very surprised that all the cd soundtracks they were selling for like just a bunch of different that would have been like animated. right before the first anime bubble burst here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all the you know licensing companies like ADV and Bandai and all them would have shut down crazy yeah yeah that's true it was it was wild times that i i never really i was never really into like buying any of that stuff on uh like DVD or whatever back then um mostly because mm-hmm. i was like getting all of it from like Toonami or whatever already but uh my friend my fr- i feel like my friend would come over like every week for six months and he would like bring over like a new anime that he had picked up from like 
FYE or Sam Goody from the mall or something. And we were like watching like Fully Cooley and Planetes and all these like amazing formative shows that he just got from somewhere. I'm guessing somewhere in the mall because that's where everybody got anime stuff back then. But at least in my area, <sighs> the mall, the, the mall, mall. Let, let's <laughs> let's um. <laughs> Transition away from from old guy stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm fine with that. Because yeah, so we've talked about uh, we talked about the creators, uh, the a few of the directors here. I don't see the thirteenth episode director credited. Uh, um, I don't think they are. Yeah, I'm assuming. I I would bet that it is uh, Hatakeyama. Probably. Uh, That's usually how it goes. So, and we've already talked about him, so we don't need to. Um, I don't need to go into any more detail about him um, sure unless there's anything that you wanted to say. But uh, we've, we kind of looked at the wiki page and everything. And yeah, he's he's a master. <laughs> what else can I say that hasn't already been said somewhere else? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's so evident from, from this show here. I mean, yeah. we spend, you know, it, we've spent the last th- three pods, like a, a not insignificant chunk of time, just like pointing out different scenes and talking about how... Like, oh my God, the direction is so good. And yeah. so, um, but, but like, so I don't think that we have any patron questions. So we can just um, start talking about the show. Okay. Um, so I will, I will let you kick it off. It's like, so let's talk about um, this chunk of episodes first, and then we'll get into our overall impression. So like, so thoughts on these? Uh, do you want to look at these as a whole? Do you want to go episode by episode? Do you want to just talk about moments? How do you want to approach this? Um, well, my notes are are separated episode by episode, so I guess that would probably be productive. All right. Um, but I was saying to you before we started this, this is a hell of a... Um, I, I didn't realize when you asked me earlier in the week if I wanted to do this, that this was a hell of a series of episodes. <laughs> To come it was those for. episodes. My God, it <laughs> has some of probably the, the most amount of my favorite moments out of in this show out of any stretch of you know episodes through the whole run. But um, yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. Um, just a, a demonstration of just about everything this show is capable of giving you as you know as a viewer all at once, even you know outside of the just stupidly good scenes of Rakugo performance. Um, I was posting about this on Twitter last night, but like, you know, the, the, the main voice cast in this show does not get recognized for their achievements in this show as, as much as they should. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm definitely one to crow about voice actors on occasion. Um, but this is just a entirely different level of performance. I think that, um, I think that these actors are, are like only these actors would have been capable of giving. I, I was talking with this about a friend last night who is just as big of a uh, uh, fan of the show as I am and a even bigger, like say you person than I am. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there's something to be said in this case for experience and age and the fact that mm. almost every single person, except for you, Kobayashi, who voices Konatsu um, on this on this main voice cast? You know Akira Ishida, um, Koichi Yamadera, Megumi Hayashibara. I mean the the absolute triumvirate of literally some of the best voice acting talent for the past you know twenty years, 
and some of the most in in demand but then you also have uh um uh i'm gonna misremember his name hold on hold on hold on hold on uh tomokazu seki who plays yotaro um who we only see in the first episode of this season in the last episode of the season but my god hell of a hell of a performance that he gives in the, <laughs> in the 13th episode and and you know he'll obviously uh come back in in the in the latter half but um just those the basically everybody on the main cast that's not y- Yu Kobayashi who's a little bit younger <clears throat> i really think that the fact that they're all older they're voicing older characters now um in their careers you know Megumi Hashibara is basically retired this is one of the last shows that she ever did hmm. um and um you know it's out of the queen exactly exactly i mean literally the most prolific female voice actress in history and i think she's done more roles than than anybody else um and yeah there's really just something to be said for their their age and and breadth of experience and and just pure dramatic chops that they were able to not only play these characters but also play these characters playing characters and like multiple characters at the same mm, time mm-hmm. telling these amazing stories. I mean, you know, obviously Rakugo is as much a physical performance as it is a voice performance, but just the idea of the fact of them playing characters that then do performances of their own in the, you know, in the, in the, um, in the world of this show and having it not just be them telling a story, but them doing an art that is, you know, hundreds of years old and, and is highly venerated as, you know, one of the national, you know, arts of Japan by now, um, even though in the show it's portrayed as this sort of like down and dirty sort of, you know, entertainers cast and not a very respectable job in, in certain aspects. It certainly is in modern day Japan. And uh, hmm. yeah, it's just really, I, I can't say enough good about uh, the voice performances in the show. And I'm sure you guys have touched on that before, but I just wanted to lead off by saying that. Cause it's just, <clears throat> I think especially with those main three, Akira Ishida, Koichi Yamadera and Megumi Haishibara in these last few episodes, you see them just at their, at their absolute peak of their powers. Um, and I, I just don't have enough good, you know, I don't have a, enough words to express how good they are <laughs> because it's just really crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah, I was going to do exactly what you did when we started to talk about the show as a whole. Yeah. But this is as good a time as any, honestly, to do it because, you know, as you say, it just, like, it's on another level, unparalleled almost work by yeah. the three principal leads. And, I mean, honestly, I never want to see the show dubbed because, as you say, like, how these actors like really embody these roles is so special. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hayashi Bara is um, as seductive as she's ever sounded in this role as, you know, this damaged woman. Yeah. And like Ishida as Kiku, I mean, where, how do I say what I'm feeling? Cause how do I articulate? Because but just the fact just that he's so much... able to voice this character over like f- almost fifty years of his lifespan is truly incredible. Like the 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 dramatic and yeah. vocal range that he has in voicing him is just it, it's unparalleled. Yeah, <laughs> and and the the feelings that he brings through and just hearing the voice, like we're you know, 
things that aren't even in the translation, right? That are not like the words that he's saying, just the sort of the evocative nature of yeah. the performance. I mean, you 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 hear kind of the hardness in his voice, like how life has kind of hardened his heart, and you but you also hear, you know, you can hear in his voice like his kind of conflicted feelings about loneliness, how like he wants solitude, but also comes under like he sort of has this ache for something more yeah and it all just comes through well and that's sort so of, well in the in the voice that's sort of what we see in this episode is him starting to make peace with this realization that you know he he, he it's funny because it's it's this is an incredible developmental arc for kiku's character mm. in these four episodes because in episode 10 we see him um you know take the stage uh before uh the seventh yakumo um, at the, uh, I'm sorry, not, not before the seventh Yakumo, we see the seventh Yakumo die. And then he takes the stage mm. for his first show, like literally like the next day as you know, he, he hasn't taken the name, but it's like, you know, he, he's essentially, you know, his first show as the successor and he, um, um, he, what balls. he literally says <laughs> like, this is, you know, this is what it feels like. This true silence, this, this, this is what mm. it feels like. I'm right. finally truly alone. Like as if he's been yeah. waiting for it this entire time. So he he starts this this four episode arc like that, and then goes through, you know, this visit to the countryside and and seeing his brother and having that sort of cold facade melted bit by bit to where he realizes like shit, uh, uh, you know, I I kind of do want family, I want peace, I want like everything to be okay and to be surrounded by people that I love, and then everything goes wrong and he becomes like this even more, you know miserable hardened sort of you know person that um uh you know all in the span of like four episodes we see this happen it's a pretty incredible developmental yeah. arc and the fact that it doesn't feel rushed is a real um tribute to this show's just you know immaculate mm. pacing in in certain sections um but the seventh Yakumo has a really great quote that I feel like resonates throughout this entire show, especially for Kiku and his sort of reluctance in um, accepting his place as this as the seventh Yakumo's successor and the fact that he like doesn't really mm -hmm. think that he's good enough and doesn't really want that responsibility. Um, when the seventh Yakumo is on his deathbed, he said, "I had no idea back then." Referencing you know his story on his deathbed about um, the original Sukeroku and essentially like you know essentially dicking him over and like taking his, his, his rifle position, even though he knew that he wasn't as good as Rakugo as, as Sukuroka because he was, you know, jealous of his father's approval. Um, uh, he, he says, quote, I had no idea back then how much suffering this name was, would cause. And mm -hmm. like, it's such a perfect encapsulation of like everything that happens after that moment between then and the, like yeah. the end, the uh, end of that, of the season because it's like you know kikir is is essentially just constantly worrying about like all this pressure from the 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 association to take the name and you know goes from pressure to you know his own personal pressure from like oh my god i have to go to the countryside and get sukuroku back and have him take the yakumo name and all that um to you know um everything going wrong and him essentially being forced to take it himself you know, it's, it's, 
it's pretty crazy. Like it's a, it's a really great pinnacle moment that I feel like is pretty easy to miss, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I mean, really like, know where uh, to go from there, but well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, pa- passing down expectations and, and I guess, I mean, really power too, in, in a way, right. Cause that name is a, is a powerful name like yeah. that. Uh, I mean, they really are, it really can be like a, a burden and can be, can divide people and will bring, I mean, I think that's very, that, that rings very true. And I mean, like that was a very humanizing moment for this character who like up to that point, like, I mean, I didn't like hate or anything. Like he had a couple of other cool moments, like when he kind of pulled out the scrolls that time to let the other people in his line sort of celebrate uh promotion yeah. uh, of his two young sons. Like that kind of stuff was really nice and, and sweet, but uh, this was really like, you know, it, it was nice to, I guess, see like he had these regrets yeah. um, because he had been kind of a character who he's pretty monolithic. It was very like set. Yes. Monolithic, like, and really set in his ways and seemed like, you know, this is this is fucking it, Jack. Yeah. Like you got to listen to me. But to like, I mean, his whole life, he said he never knew a moment's peace uh, after yeah. he he uh, you know stole s- stole the inheritance that would have gone to Sukaroku. And so, did you did you f- also did you feel hmm like this is not exactly a criticism. Mm. But watching it the second time, the fact that the Sukeroku who, uh, the seventh Yakumo, uh, kind of displaced was the old man who trained the current day Sukeroku and kind of, he got brought back in his orbit. Did, did you feel it was a little too coincidental or do you kind of just see it as like, this is a storytelling device about like you know, karma and regrets I think, coming to catch up with you and things. I think if that was the only case of karmic redemption or uh, the only case of karmic retribution in this show, that it would have felt forced. But karmic retribution mm. is such a central theme of this show, especially like the idea of like generational trauma being experienced or being caused in one generation coming home to roost in the following generation in some way. I think it's, you know, it is a, it is a pretty convenient storytelling device, but I also think that it it's like, there is no more perfect, um, you know, illustration in this half of the show of karmic retribution than this man who you know, caused, I mean, granted, you know, I'm kind of split on, on his decision because it's like on the one hand, like, you know, he, he screwed somebody over and like ruined their life essentially. But on the other hand, I don't know if I can necessarily blame him for that decision because a, he was a child B there was like this interloper in his home that wasn't related to him. That was like essentially stealing his father's affection simply because he was better at rock ago than him, which is like, such a stupid, like, you know, such a stupid <laughs> measure of a child's worth. Um, so like, I, well, I will say this kind of, I will say this is, um, go ahead. 
Oh, no, sorry. No, uh, I'm so sorry to cut you off. I no, should no, not no, have. Good. But uh, just just going to say that um, that we, we are hearing it from this this guy's perspective, True, the perspective right. the of the child. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe the father sort of like didn't love him any less. Right. Yeah. Um, but this was just the way that he, that uh, seventh Yakimo saw it. Yeah, that's certainly possible, though. I, I, I tend to be skeptical. I can believe of, it, though. <laughs> yeah, I tend to be skeptical of that only because, like, Rakugo is literally these people's entire lives. Yeah. And I would not yeah. be surprised if this guy's severe Japanese father from the late 1800s or whatever was, like, you know, measuring his son's entire worth based on his, like, martial prowess or whatever, which is, like, you know, it's so... This is very fair. It fits within the culture, is all I'm saying, but... Yeah, this um, is this is super fair. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you that it is it is pretty convenient, but uh, it, it didn't take me out of it, because I do feel like that it mm. is a pretty poetic illustration of karmic retribution uh, and is in line with this show's overall theme of like generational trauma uh and like you know just a gen a, a general awareness of like the radiation of consequences from like a decision mm. being made in time like down the line of i mean it literally is called descending stories uh show like in sure. rakugo shinju so it's like you know that's all part of this show's theme of of um karmic retribution and uh you know that sort of generational decision making and stuff like that so uh you referenced this in a comment that you made um a little while ago and i meant to bring it up but Mm -hmm. um at the beginning of the episode uh when kiku is refusing the you know the little page boy kid who wants to be his apprentice right um and you know he's basically like you're too much of a res- you're too respectable a young man to um to get caught up in this dirty profession yeah uh and then he calls it like fragile like a soap bubble yeah um i guess referring to it's like instability but like so uh, you know what you said earlier was that um in J- the japan of today rakugo is kind of venerated as uh high traditional art and and spoken of and thought of well but like i think i, I don't know just... i think in certain circles oh. yes i also think that rakugo is a okay. pretty intricate part of like the modern japanese comedy scene like there are so many ah. like rakugo tv shows that are like ridiculously popular and that have been on for like 50 or 60 years at this point it's it's crazy but i do think that um i i i yeah i do think that in certain circles especially like dramatic rakugo I think is is pretty highly venerated as like a national, you know, storytelling art. Um, in, as in, I mean, that would Japan. yeah, yeah, and that would it would make sense. I think uh, it, it seems like something that the society would want to treasure. And so, I, I was just curious if you had any insight into why Rakugo and kind of the arts in general. You know, we see different artists kind of. Uh, sort of uh, acknowledge this sentiment throughout the show yeah be they music musicians or or whatever performers like if you are a person that works and performs at the theater it's like you you are involved in a sort of vulgar profession and yet 
they're beloved by a lot of people, right? Yeah. Like they fans come to see them and they don't uh uh, it's something that the the older generation likes, who are typically like you know more conservative, and you wouldn't think they'd be doing something so vulgar and you know disgusting yeah. and indulging it. So like, what I, I'm very curious what um what's kind of informing that uh that idea that that it's a uh, such a kind of a um lowbrow or or just to use the word that they use again vulgar yeah uh, kind of enterprise. Like, what's going on there? I I think there's a couple different things that we have to keep in mind as to like where the people in this show, specifically this era of the show are coming from. Um, We're coming from an era where almost all um, like uh, sort of entertainment that we're seeing in the show is, has its roots in like cheap uh, lower class nighttime entertainment um, nightlife. Mm so to speak, you know, Miyoki is a geisha um, and, you know, also a prostitute, um, even though those things are, are absolutely not mutually exclusive, um, even though they're, you know, often construed as, as being so in the West. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, Rakugo, uh, you know, originated as sort of a, a a, a cheap profession. It was a sort of, uh, you know, uh, a theaterization of just, you know, the common comedic and dramatic storytelling. It's, it's, it's almost as if, um, you know, if, if, if campfire stories became like a national, Mm. you know, it's essentially what Rakugo is, 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 you know, scary stories, comedic stories. It's, 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 it's a, these stories that Rakugo have become Rakugo standards have existed for like a thousand years in Japan. Some of them, um, in, in certain forms or another, um, and yeah, they're, they were told, you know, uh, it, you know, around the dinner table and around the campfire and around the, the barracks, you know, during, you know, off time in, 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 you know, um, in, in different scenarios. So it's, it's, it's just a, I, I think the, the idea of Rakugo being seen as this sort of, uh, irreparable or, or sort of low life profession or fragile profession is just, uh, a vestige of, um, you know, how it was seen, um, you know, when it started. And I also think you have to understand that, you know, these people are all products of like World War II era Imperial Japan, where, you know, uh, martial achievements and martial uh, uh, mm. feats are, are worshipped above just about everything else. And like, you know, sacrificing yourself for the for the you know the emperor or or you know mm-hmm. the japanese race um would have been seen as like you know the ultimate um you know positive thing to do with yourself so i would imagine that nighttime entertainment and you know prostitution and all the things that are associated with it are not particularly looked upon very fondly by 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 high mm-hmm. society and by society at large uh, I, I I would say that it's probably viewed mostly as a necessary evil to keep people in check during tough times, um, and that you know that sort of thing um, I think became more lax as the war ended and as Japan recovered. But I think those those thoughts probably didn't go all the way away. Um, hmm. And I think honestly, in that scene specifically, what you were talking about, I think, um, um. 
I want to say that Kiku is more meaning the fact that, you know, he is a uh, respectable boy like himself, doesn't want to get involved in a profession like this. I think he just means that he can see Rakugo's death on the horizon. It's already, you know, right. by this time in what seems to be about the nineteen early 1950s, um, Rakugo's already losing popularity now that like television and radio and all these forms of like mass communication and um, things are, 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 you know, sort of taking over with younger people. And he, he could sort of see the, the writing on the wall. Um, and, you know, he doesn't feel like, you know, this, this, this kid needs to be getting himself involved in this, you know, just based, based on, you know, what he, th- these preconceived notions of, you know, he has about the, the art whereas you know yeah it's 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 a poor man's art it's um seen by some as is disreputable and worse it's not a you know it's not a stable profession you could wash out at any time for sure end up not being good at it you know it's it's you know it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for people that want to actually have a stable income as we see you know through most of the time in the show so um yeah, no, there's there's definitely that aspect to it of it has to become your life. And, yeah. you know, we can we can see like the negative, uh, the, lots of the, the negative kind of uh, impact that that can have on people. For sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, thank you. That's that's a really good context to provide for for the kind of general attitude. You know, I hadn't um, I hadn't connected the dots in those ways and and that's just really informative. So thank you for sharing that. Like no problem. That helps like add a layer to the show for me that I hadn't, uh, that I hadn't gotten before. So that's super cool. Um, happy to help. So of course, this is why we love to have you on. Um, (laughs) this is why we love to have you on any, any more, uh, about episode 10 that we want to talk about. Um, I just uh, really want to again praise uh, uh, Akira Ishida's performance of Shinigami, uh, which is the story that he performs uh, right after uh, the seventh Yakuma dies. Again, the balls <laughs> to do the just story of a Shinigami man. Unbelievable <laughs> story to do the day after your master dies. It's truly incredible. Um, just the sheer, yeah, the sheer. Just, I mean, it, it perfectly represents Kiku's just completely detached personality at times where he just does not give a fuck about anything. Uh, And and it's, yeah, it's rarely more evident than that. Um, But his performance of it is also just imbued with such a darkness and such a, you know, Mm. uh, you know, it's, he's, he's living the story as he tells it. Um, And it's not the only time that he does it in the show. I think it's one of the most important stories that he mm-hmm. tells um and it will come back in a big way in the later half but uh yeah it's it's hell of hell of a performance um and you know i yeah i i think i have like like maybe five or six different uh points in my notes where i'm just like just gushing about akira ishida because he is just just delivering the performance of his life, which is really saying something because he has been delivering the performance of his life for like 25 years at this point. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That one, uh, that was an incredible, like very, uh, like almost chilling at times. Uh, yeah. The, like his, his, uh, voice, the reactions of people in the crowd are literally like scared. They're scared of his mm-hmm. performance, which is great. I always love seeing that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, um, and that's 
one of the cool things about Konatsu becoming at least child Konatsu coming in at the end is yeah. getting to see her reactions in, in the crowds things. But um, and he has like a, so when he's telling the, sh- the story about the Shinigami, I, like I know that he has um, that Kiku has um, we, we've seen him be kind of transported to different settings before. Yeah. Um, but like. It's the first time I remember, I could be wrong, but uh, him having like almost an out-of-body experience. Yeah, um, we start to get a taste for, in these in these last couple episodes, of the sort of like almost magical realism that starts happening um, in, that really dominates Kiku's, uh, you know, older arc. Um, hmm. And that is really definitely the first time where we see, you know, it's, it's, Part of it is definitely a visual device and a storytelling device, but I think part of it is also, yeah, Kiku having like a really, his first truly transformative experience on stage. And, you know, so much about this show is finding your Rakugo. Like, what is the Rakugo, not not just like your style, like what what, is, what are you going to be known for, but just like, what is like, what are you finally going to like inhabit your art? And that I feel like is his first true moment of like, this is me. This is like, this is my life. This is like the encapsulation of like my entire essence on the stage is, mm-hmm. is this moment. So um, it's Which a is fantastic, like, fantastic moment. It's an incredible moment. I mean, yeah. no doubt. And, and it's really something that in the space of like one or two episodes, and like you said, it, it doesn't feel super rushed. He goes from this kind of uh, like this spiritual experience, like this existential mountaintop of like he it's just him in the audience. Like, yeah, he is like the two kind of big burdens, <laughs> which is feels terrible to characterize people that way. But that's sort of how he feels in this moment yeah. of his dad and his brother. Like they're gone. They're out of his life. And he can just kind of be free to be in the in the quiet with himself and the audience. Yeah. And it's like he's like sitting on top of this mountain by himself and like not two episodes later he's like either realized that that's not enough for him or I mean I just had some kind of epiphany but like he yeah. wants like that's one of the things I love about like you said his kind of arc this episode is like he sort of comes to realize that like Man cannot live by art alone. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. it's it's not going to sustain you in in a way that will feed your whole person. Yeah. Well, and his his desires are so interesting to me too because he really does not allow himself happiness ever. Um, no. And yeah. I think you know he you know. He has these moments of happiness when performing with Sukiroku and existing with him in the countryside for, you know, however long he was there. And, um, but it's like, you know, he, he, he doesn't allow himself happiness. He doesn't really know whether like what he, what exactly it is he wants, but I feel like life pretty clearly in this show demonstrates to him that like, it's just never going to allow him to have what he wants and be happy like it's 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 he is he he's never allowing himself to be happy but also like life is also never going to allow him to be 
like anywhere close to happy as well because like even his probably the happiest he ever is in his life is when he's living in the countryside with Sukuroku and it mm-hmm. ends in the worst tragedy he will ever experience in life. God, fuck, yeah. man. It's so brutal. It is incredibly um, brutal. Yeah. And I mean, what you're saying, it's, it's makes perfect sense what you're saying, because I mean, you can tell that he feels like when these sort of conceptual forces or cosmic things beckon you in your life, you sort of have to listen. Like it, he's like talking to other people in that way as if it's obvious, like when he's telling Sukuroku to come back, you know, it's like, hey, man, it's your destiny, bro. Like yeah. when the people want you, it's what you got to do. And well, he's yeah, just like, like, you should nope. let your own desires <laughs> <Wait a> <laughs> or happiness get in the way of your responsibilities. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he he's he is a man of of duty and a man of, yeah. of tradition, regardless of like, you know, how he personally feels about it. He is sort of from the first moment he sets on screen, sort of accepted his lot in life, um, and that's why Sukuroku is such a a good foil to him as a character, yeah. is because Sukuroku is like anything but that. You know, he he's he's the very epitome of like. It's weird because Sukuroku is also kind of like Kiku in the sense that he sort of surrenders himself a lot of the time, but instead of surrendering himself to his <laughs> desire he just kind of surrenders himself to his desire to do as little as possible uh when it yeah when it's not involving rakugo like he's equally as frustrating of a personality <laughs> as kiku is at times for sure yeah he's not really a, a slavish to duty no uh, in, he's not really slavish way. to anything <laughs> no and the, no and, and the, no. The, the only reason why he is as good at rakugo as he is is because he's he's like that's that's him like he's a natural mm-hmm. he's a natural yep. at it it, t- it comes to him very easily so it's like you know even that he you know i mean he obviously puts effort into it but it's like mm-hmm. you know that effort is a is you know a god-given you know sort of gift which is you know sort of uncommon in that world so yeah yeah and he has a it's fascinating like this character savant right like has all these really big ideas about kind of what he wants for for the art like not just you wouldn't think right uh that someone like him will be thinking about those kind of things you think okay he's gonna be concerned with himself very much kind of a myopic but no he's like okay i care about rakugo as a whole thing I care about its future. I I see, you know, I want you and me, Bon, you know, Bon and Shin are going to like be these complementary forces that like, you know, you, you will carry on the tradition and give people what they want there. And I will be like ever evolving uh, to suit sort of contemporary tastes. And like that way will be these two pillars holding up the art. And um, he just like was thinking big in all these, um, you know, in these quiet moments he has with Bond, like in, in revealing that part of himself. Um, yeah. So cool. And no one knew that about him except for Kiku. Yeah. Like, no, the, the Yakumo didn't know he's thinking that way. Um, and, and I mean, it, it maybe, uh, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe he said one or two things, but I'm sure the Yakumo would have interpreted it as like insolence. You know, what do you yeah. know, fucker? Y- Yakumo <laughs> definitely would not have appreciated those those thoughts, as would pretty much anybody but but kiku i think um 
yeah, I, you know, it's obviously Rakugo definitely is slavish to tradition above all else. Um, at, you know, it, it, it very much like the people in this show is a product of its time. Um, mm. and you know, uh, Japanese tradition in general is, is very resistant to change. So, um, you know, it follows that Rakugo would be the same, but, um, as is instance in the show as it is in real life, uh, Rakugo did indeed change <laughs> very drastically. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, so in chat, uh, a little while ago, uh, I believe it's Blue Sea was mentioning that, uh, she saw Rakugo performed in London, like in England, like it's yeah now it's sort of there a trans are, there are national english, thing there are english like japanese trained english language uh rakugo performers i know of two off the top of my head one uh wow. is a canadian gentleman the other one is a japanese woman who speaks english um and yeah i mean just the fact that there are women performing rakugo in general is a is a pretty big whoa yeah is a pretty big change wow. um but also yeah i mean rakugo is is still a I think it is definitely an older person's uh, like pastime, especially going to the theater to see Rakugo. Right. But like Rakugo, yeah, it's pretty. Rakugo and Rakugo performers have a pretty commonplace uh, presence on uh, Japanese TV today. Like it's 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 a pretty, you know, even if it's not like actively sought out, just just about everybody knows you know what it is and what it's all about, and probably can name one or two Rakugo performers off the top of their head. Um, and a lot of like Japanese mainstream comedians make crossovers into Rakugo. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Gaki no Tsukai, but it's like essentially like one of the most popular, if not the most popular comedy, uh, TV program. Uh, they're, they're the ones that essentially popular popularized the silent library, uh, like uh, punishment game. Um, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> in chat has ever seen silent library. It was a, it was a pretty popular, uh, show on mtv there for a while that was a copy of what they did which is um but they they're essentially known for these uh they're called batsu games which is just punishment games but essentially they're um you know there's these long drawn out incredibly stupid incredibly like punishing hence their name uh games where it's like you know no laughing for 24 hours and every time you laugh you get like beat <laughs> on the ass with a bat or something like that uh, and they, they just, they, these incredibly elaborate scenarios. It's so funny, but, um, wow. one of the like main cast members on the show on, on Gaki no Tsukai, who's been a main cast member for like 20, 25 years. And this show has been running for like 40 years now, um, is a, like, you know, a couple of years ago, he fully changed his name because he became a Rakugo performer and like took his master's name essentially. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's it's a you know it's not far from the mainstream in Japan now for sure, um, so yeah, it's interesting to see, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um. So shall we transition to episode eleven? Yes. The, the, the sitcom in the countryside. Let us. <laughs> my two dads. Oh my god! Yeah. Mom's gone off and left. One's I, a drunk. <laughs> I have to say the the moment at the beginning there where. Uh, Kiku is like standing outside Sugaroka's house and he's asleep and he's like screaming at Sugaroka to get up. And yeah. you have that moment where he's like looking very cold at Sugaroka. And as soon as Sugaroka actually gets around and hugs him, they transition back to showing Kiku's face and he's got a yeah. wild smile. Oh, I just immediately started crying. <laughs> 
I just, I just fully, I did not expect to get hit that hard, but just knowing what I do mm-hmm. now, oh man, like there, there are so few moments of genuine happiness like that for Kiku in the show. And yep. I didn't even remember it. I, 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 I didn't even remember that, 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 that happened, but it's such a subtle moment of real genuine warmth from him that it really means, it means a lot as a viewer. <laughs> I mean, this is my favorite episode of the yeah, show. It's a really good episode. For, for moments like that, because I'm a I'm a sucker for the happy times. Yeah. And like, well, it's like big, dumb moments like that, or the sort of uh, impromptu performance that leads to uh, the sort of duet, if oh, you yeah. will, between yeah. the two was amazing. And then my, uh, this might be, my favorite moment in the show. I mean, there's so many good ones, so it's 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 close. But like, yeah. uh, when Kiku uh, cuts Konatsu's hair, oh my god, um, yeah, that like is so emotional for me for some reason. Just the quiet, like intimate beauty. Yeah, it's like in that moment. It's like he almost kind of becomes her family, like in that moment. They have How such a like, particular, interesting relationship throughout the show that is very mm-hmm. often contentious more than it is friendly. But they, mm-hmm. you know, they they do pretty easily love each other, uh, and it's it's pretty obvious um, that that's yeah. that's the case. And I think. You know, Kiku's love is more simply because you know that this is a a product of his his brother who he he really yep. loves, um, and I think that Konatsu comes to love him even though that she definitely doesn't mm-hmm. at the beginning. But um, uh, yeah, it's 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 an incredibly interesting, nuanced, atypical relationship. You you rarely see something like this so particular and so subtle in in anime you know it's it's on the surface yeah. it's it's you know your standard almost like sort of tsundere relationship but it's 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 you know and weirdly mm-hmm. enough it's two tsunderes at one time <laughs> it is the double double tsundere. the double yeah the um, double hit but um yeah it's that's it's a fantastic scene i really love the scene of uh kiku doing these sort of small shows and bars and 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 uh, restaurants and sort of coming to realize that that doing Rakugo in these small venues is really like he can actually <laughs> he have loves it. fun. He can actually have yeah. fun doing Rakugo because there's that emotional connection with the audience that you just kind of don't get in the bigger theaters. You know, you can't really look people in the eye as you're sitting across from them like you can in, in restaurants like that. So um, totally. But yeah, it's it's you know, this episode is the moment where he's he starts to really realize that maybe he's not so content with being alone after all mm-hmm. or you know maybe he's not he doesn't need to be so resigned to being you know alone um yeah but yeah and i also wrote that 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 haircut scene is about as outwardly civil and affectionate as kiku and kanatsu's relationship ever gets in the history of this entire show <laughs> i know and it's that is such a tragedy because i know in that moment right um in in her life I feel like, I mean, of course she's going to ideally still love and have a relationship with her father. But, like, I mean, you look at kind of how she's living. 
mm-hmm. and how Sukuroku is at that moment. And you, of course, I mean, from the very beginning, when you hear in the show, they're having a kid, you're just like, it, oh God, yeah, oh no, is he going to be fit to raise a kid? And along comes Kiku, who like when he is in the countryside, he's not the, the sort of, hardened man that he becomes later that we see in the early she there's more of a tenderness about him because as you say like he's he's away from all those other things and and he's been reunited with his brother and you see him you know he's just listening to her because she's going off on like how she you know uh loves her dad and she's gonna work and she doesn't like her mom and all these things and he's just quietly listening cutting her hair but it also brings like i think the right amount of like hey you need boundaries you need a little bit of strictness like that moment where he kind of grabs her chin pulls her up and says don't talk about your mom that way like you'll spoil your beauty uh and how he walks away but she just kind of remains with her chin up as in like what that communicated to me is no one's ever done this with me before. No yeah. one's ever told me, Hey, like straighten up or right. I have right. these expectations of you. You need to be, you know, and that's like, kids need that. Um, yeah. For and sure. I don't know that Sukaroku was capable of giving her, of, of meeting those kind of needs. So it's like, if only they could have been the two dads for her, that would have been incredible, know. you know, in an ideal world. We that would have been And that's the true amazing. tragedy of the show is that we, we see that for a bit and there is a, there is a different world where that happens, but yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there wouldn't be drama in this show without what happens next, but it is truly, um, pretty yeah. special <laughs> there for a while, <laughs> for sure. Um, there's a, uh, w- one of the reasons why I, I will never stop singing the praises of this show is that it's, it's the rare anime period piece. That's not a samurai or like, you know, uh, yeah. a feudal yeah. era show, uh, that is entirely unafraid to like anchor itself in the specific period. And I'm not talking about like, you know, having a scene where somebody's like tearing a sheet off a calendar and it's like December 20th, 1946. <laughs> like um, there's right. a scene at the end of episode 11 where um, it cuts to Miyokichi talking to a client who is like mm-hmm. informing her of this, you know, show. And essentially it's how she finds out that, that Kiko is essentially back in, in her and her child's life. Um, but during that scene, there is a, uh, there's like a singer on the radio and it's like very clearly like an old time Mm. radio and it's just playing very softly in the background, but just that little touch just so anchors it in a specific time period for me and like a specific like cultural time period. Cause it's, you know, it's like a Japanese, like, you know, um, not an Enka performer cause Enka didn't really exist yet, but it's like, um, you know, like a, like a traditional singer, um, on the radio singing like a, you know, a, a standard or something like that. Um, and that really just, you know, it's one of many little touches in this show that really do a good job of, of anchoring it in a specific era. But, um, I, God, I wish anime would do it more. I, I don't know why so many hmm. anime that specifically take place in a certain time period are so afraid to like, really anchor themselves in that time period in indirect ways. But I'm really hmm. glad that this show does that because it really, it, 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 it adds a level of 
depth to the actual descending stories aspect to where I can tell when something is taking place in the 1940s and the 1950s versus later when it's taking place in the 70s and 80s. Like, you know, it's easy yeah. to tell. So I I really appreciate that. I also really appreciate the uh, first uh, ED for the show. My God, what an unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, Holy my shit. God. What an unbelievable. Just all those like very, you know, sort of yeah. sunset-ish shots of of Asakusa and, and like, you know, that era of Tokyo is just so, so magical and atmospheric. And Mm -hmm. again, really just anchors you in that time period in a way that, that, um, I feel like anything else, any, any, uh, uh, anything else can't, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, so, uh, any other things to shout out about 11? Um, uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is that I found it, um, uh, funny that, uh, uh, when Sukuroku comes in to start performing Nozarashi with, with, uh, Kiku at the end there, that Kiku just automatically takes the female role because that's what he's good at. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's what he's used to. I, 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 I really love that about him. I really love that they make him, you know, this sort of, um, naturally effeminate, man um as you know obviously earlier in the show when they do the play at the mm-hmm. at the uh the the rock go playhouse and he's playing the woman the female part it's just another nice little shout out to that and the fact that he's like so natural at playing women in these shows it's again really speaks to akira she does voice acting ability but but also just you know this amazing achievement of playing this character who's like specifically good at this sort of thing and mm-hmm. then being able to to pull it off so naturally is is just really cool. <laughs> Total and and when they go to bow you can see the difference in yep. in their hands, right? Exactly. I mean uh Su- Suke has these big manly fingers and yep. and big hands and little uh, uh attention paid to the specifics of the motion whereas Kiku's very prim, very proper, very dainty, very elegant. Yeah. And his hands, he's got long nails, you know, and they're yep. they're smaller. And yeah, it just uh, it speaks to the characterization. Yeah. Um, and that's I, just to briefly, just really quickly mention, even though we've already finished talking about 10, another moment with hands that I really liked uh, was once again, when the seventh Yakumo is on his deathbed speaking about how part of him does not want to let the name go. Yeah. Um, and then... Kiku begins to like frankly speak with him in a way that takes him back because you can see the look on his face like holy cow the kid is just going off and totally opening up and being honest yeah uh and it kind of cuts to like a shot of his hands as he drops so he drops one of his arms and he goes kind of limp uh and the other hand is like gripping the bed sheet so tightly it's like he's clinging on to life and he's clinging on to that name that he's still so jealous for. Uh, but part of him, you know, he's he's torn. He realizes, like, well, it's, it's time to relinquish this. It's my time. I'm, I'm going. So, yeah, there's, like, all kinds of little, I mean, it just, just even paying attention to, like, the hands in the show could be really rewarding. Yeah. It's amazing because the, I wouldn't necessarily say that there's really any point in this show where I feel like the the animation is, like, spectacular or anything like that. But the mm-hmm. character animation is so subtly perfect pretty much at all times that it's just 
you know, I mean, this is this show is animated by Studio Perot. Like Studio Perot, <laughs> or sorry, not Perot, Dean. Studio Dean mm. is not really known for <laughs> making fantastically, you know, extravagant, good-looking shows. But um, <laughs> you know, they 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 were working within their 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 constraints, and my God, they they all, especially all of the Rakugo scenes, just the 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 subtlety of character movement and the faces and you yeah. know i mean a lot of it is helped by the the camera cuts um totally character lines to you know yep. sort of make it more uh pointed but uh still just the character animation in this show is is well, let me just say it's better than it has any business being for studio <laughs> d <show. laughs> totally i mean I, that's you alluded to what i was going to say is that like uh the storyboarders and directors really helped the animators out in a lot of ways, you know, really kind of, I think we're probably really explicit about what they wanted and we're like, you know, the scope of what you're trying to do is limited. So we can, we can just work within these small means and we can, we can achieve this. Uh, Cause like, yeah, the, like you said, the camera cuts and, and, and they, they just picked, you know, emphasizing things like hands, like footwork, which I talked about Mm -hmm. a lot on the first, uh, episode of this uh series and like um and even things like in the next episode when sukaroku is um performing for the first time in ages how you'll see like on the back of his neck all this sweat you know to 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 bring home the point that like well he really hasn't practiced in a while he's out of practice and that rakugo uh i've said it before but I'll, i'll reiterate is um not just a sort of mental or emotional you're connecting with the audience like there is a physical component oh absolutely. of it of as a performance and absolutely. Uh, if yeah it's just very very important uh if sort of not neglected but probably like you don't really think of it as being such an important part of it as a performance yeah. but it truly is oh it's just as important as 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 voice and emotion i mean it's it's um you know if you've seen uh, any amount of of real rakugo you know that the 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 subtlety of movement is just as much as key as 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 vocal performance especially since really the only thing that you're allowed to have at your disposal in traditional uh i believe is it is either kanto style or tokyo style rakugo because there's also different styles of rakugo some of which we actually see later on in the show um mm. but in in this style of rakugo the 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 most popular style of rakugo in Japan, the only things that you have at your disposal are um, your fan, and I there's there's words for these things in Japanese, and I should know them, but I don't. Uh, the fan and the um, sort of handkerchief that you're allowed to bring on stage, you're like those are the, your only two props that you get, and they use them to spectacularly full effects <laughs> in Rakugo performances. So yeah, it's the physical is definitely very important in the performance of Rakugo for sure. Okay, so we are going to transition to episode 12. But mm. first, I don't know about you, but I need to take a very short break. Sounds so good to me. we will be right back. Yo, we are back. Uh, thanks for being patient. And now uh, we are going to get on with episode 12 here, 12, Ooh. 13, and talk about the series as a whole. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> 12 uh the first note i have for episode 12 and the last two episodes bring this home but it is present all throughout the show uh 
Let me. Matsuda, too good for this world, man. Yeah, he's a saint. Holy shit! I also had that God. in my notes. I I, <laughs> I had it in in my notes in the first uh, the episode ten. Uh, but yeah, Matsuda-san is a is a nothing short of a saint. He is a uh, uh, just the probably the best person in this show, just morally. <laughs> I mean, just straight up, like it just a, a very kind of believable version of this hired help archetype yeah. uh, that was has been perpetuated like in a lot of like English fiction, I think that, yeah. but there'll be these incredible dynamic uh, go getters, like can make everything happen, but also give a shit and care about people in the fam. But monster like sort of is all that. Um, but man, like he just has such a big heart. He's and an immensely really, caring, really cares. caring person. Yeah. His his just utter joy at seeing Sukuroku again for the first time in years oh, is truly incredible. I mean, it's it's just so yeah. heartwarming. Um regardless of whether or not it's deserved. <laughs> like it's, it's right, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's just really, really nice to see. And yeah, it's it's just very he's I mean, it's you know one of 8 million different moments in the show that he just demonstrates that he's, he is uh, just a genuinely good, good man. Um, yep. uh, too good, honestly, for these people, <laughs> for any of these people. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, not that I, you know, uh, not that I actively dislike really any of them except for Miyokichi, which no. we'll get to, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, he's just, yeah, I'm glad that you you also. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that because I I <sighs> didn't really find any natural way to slip that in earlier. But yeah, he's just a a, a genuinely wonderful presence throughout this entire show. Um, I I and, just want like he needs to be taken care of. I want him to be like, all right, look, you we're gonna hire someone to look after you. You go to the spa. You get the pedicure. Yeah. You go to the Rakugo show as an honored guest. <laughs> you deserve yeah. this. He deserves whatever goodness come is able to be sent his way for sure. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, this performance here at the at the inn is uh, probably a, a high point for Rakugo performance mm. in this show. I think both for Kiku and. And Sukiroku, I, I don't think it gets any better than this, which is really saying something because there's some truly stunning performances in this show. But uh, especially for Sukiroku, I mean, it's it's uh, his performance here is so poetic, it's so yeah. uh, prophetic of of his ultimate fate later in the episode. But it's yeah. just you know, I mean, again, it's like you know, uh, in any lesser show that wasn't so immaculately produced this his performance here would seem a bit convenient uh based mm. on you know what happens next but you know since so much of the show revolves around this sort of grand generational drama it makes total sense that you know he would be performing this story of a of a no good husband that you know sort of turns his <laughs> his ways around uh and you know even if it was based on, it's also just got to say what a fantastic like folk tale like really really good in, in, intrinsically very specifically japanese to me in a way that mm. um in its you know sort of morality and and um in its telling obviously but but yeah it's just you know i mean obviously and 
like you know it's it's if it wasn't already prophetic enough there are also several shots during his his performance of this story of miyokichi yeah. like both in the audience and just in the mind of of konatsu who is in the audience um right. but yeah i mean there's a lot of foreshadowing there there's a lot of i mean you know it's like we can kind of all see it coming even if you haven't seen the show already but um yeah it's it's it is easily his best performance in this show which makes it all the more <laughs> terribly sad <laughs> i know <laughs> given what happens it's amazing like w- when i heard it the first time and the thought crossed my mind this time i mean i know it's silly because it will be anathema to do this in rock ago but i thought did he change the ending you know to sort of yeah as a wish fulfillment thing like ah and the end was the the man really did turn over a new leaf and live happily ever after with his family uh and was something it was something darker meant to happen but that's just that would be unthinkable to do uh in in this setting uh with this art so you didn't know you didn't do that but uh boy uh when the audience erupts and kanatsu specifically jumps up at the end just to clap like the unfettered joy like just pouring out of her it's so amazing and like you said he kills it in this performance and he's he doesn't really he's he's never despite what i said earlier i wouldn't have characterized him as like an sort of intentional kind or a methodical person but it really did seem like he took a lot of care in picking this story yeah um yeah well, it's, it's you a know, very it's, personal performance. It's another yeah. example of like really the only thing that he cares about is Rakugo. I mean, it's and and but but you know when he cares, he cares big, and um, yeah, it's clear that you know he he loves his craft, and and it's what he's meant to do, regardless of how you know reluctant he is to do it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's you know it's his thing. <laughs> No, it is. There's so, no better way of putting it. Yeah, so it's, it's like what he was born to do, if that oh, yeah. were, you know, to, 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 to so to speak. But um, yeah. let's talk about, uh, you alluded to it a moment ago, let's talk about Miyokichi. Um, you already said you didn't like her. Um, yeah, I think that she is a, I, I put in my notes that Miyokichi is a vile woman. And <laughs> I think that there are... Sh- there are moments in this show that I definitely really like her and appreciate her as a character and can definitely like understand how her life is just as traumatic and terrible and, and hard as, as anybody's is in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but her appearance in this episode is truly, um, it made me angry in a way that it didn't the first time me and too me seeing, too knowing what i do now her showing up at this moment uh not to reunite with her i mean it's you know she doesn't i don't think that she really owes sukuroku anything because you know he he mm. was as terrible of a husband as she was terrible of a wife um, but she she owes um, she owes Konatsu and and I I 
it just really makes me angry that the the thing that she was there to do was to try to convince Kikuhiko to to run away with her and abandon <sighs> everything and essentially uproot his own life for her own selfish gains. And you know, obviously Kikuhiko has his, plenty of his own selfish uh, selfishness about him. You know, and he he sure. freely admits to it. Um, and often uses it as a cudgel to sort of beat himself down <laughs> emotionally mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I was uh, observing that she has sort of this, they're both selfish, but she has this sort of like outward destructive selfishness Absolutely. that's really harmful to like everybody around her. Whereas like Kiku's is very like intent contained. It's very like emotional selfishness at the expense of his own happiness almost. Um, at least the decisions, the selfish decisions that he makes almost always end up kicking his own ass more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, and that's obviously no more true anywhere else than in this scene, because you see how he comes out of it. He comes out of it with, mm. you know, two people that he, he, he loved. And I do think that he had love. For oh, no Yoki doubt. G. Um, yeah. Yes. But he comes out of it you know, without them and he's the only survivor and has to live with it. Um, and has to live and with their child. Only, yeah. I was going to say has to live with not only the consequences of his own actions, but the consequences of their actions as well. Um, but yeah, honestly, I really am just, dis- I'm just disgusted by her in this episode, to be honest with you. I, I really, I, yeah, yeah. It, I really, uh, find it very hard to, uh, justify anything that she does in this episode. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Tr- I'm gonna try to temper what I say a little bit because I, it, this is also uh, a, a a thing that made me very, very angry and upset. Um, just her whole deal, her presence, and everything about what she's doing and saying in these episode, in, in this episode rather. Um, and I, you use the word destructive. That is absolutely the right word that is the word i would use that yeah it just just seemed like she's been in a very really i guess even from the beginning maybe it's the benefit of hindsight but looking back there's always been like a whiff of self-destructiveness about the character and it just feels like that since kiku left her that train has really picked up steam uh to toward towards that brick wall and you know, and and the fact that Kiku ends up with a child that I mean, I think honestly, you could say that she had to spite him. Mm-hmm. Like she runs off with uh, with Sukaroku, I think, and settles for him in no small part to get back at Kiku for neglecting her. Absolutely. Um, and Kiku realizes that he was an asshole and that like he did that for stupid reasons. I mean, I don't I think you can't totally blame him. I mean, he says it's all his fault. It's not all his fault. She has agency. But it's not his like, fault, but he also shows that he realized yeah, he, he shows remorse. And not only remorse, yeah. he shows like a commitment to rectifying the entire situation by essentially saying, mm-hmm. like Konatsu, Sukuroku, and Miyokichi, let's all come back and live in my house together in Tokyo, and I will <laughs> yep. care for all of you as a family. Like he, yeah. he's going so far as to like essentially like adopt all three of these just uh devastatingly selfish and 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 
irresponsible people. Uh, you know, not mm-hmm. to say that about Konatsu, but you know, she's a product of these two irresponsibly yeah. selfish right. and and, and uh, destructive people in their own ways, be it self-destructive or whatever. But you know, he's he's committed to rectifying what he perceives as his mistake. Whereas, yeah, Miyokichi never shows a hint of remorse about anything that she does. Um, yeah. Right. And well, and in chat, um, so I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I haven't seen season two. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Wow. I, I saw I've only seen I saw season one when it aired and I'm rewatching it. I never did get with second season and blue C in chat says season two will clarify some of these things yeah. in episode 12 in a, I don't know. So it's, it's, could you speak to that in a non-spoilery way? <laughs> like, uh, what what even, is being alluded to? It's been long enough to where I, I don't okay. risk it, but, but okay. I mean, yeah, there definitely will be a good amount of clarification, but I don't think that it, there is any amount of, uh, absolving of, of mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I yeah, I I am not tempered. Knowing what I do about this entire show, I am I am definitely not tempered, um, by by that knowledge in any way. Watching this again now. Okay, well here here's what I'll what I'll say. N- not in a uh not an attempt to make a justification or absolving anyone. Um, but like just to add may- maybe add a little bit of uh, context for Miyokichi's actions here, and like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is a thing that you have talked about before, but like, so we, we see throughout the show that like, um, ladies, (laughs) uh, at this time in Japan, uh, are of, of course, you know, there's, it's rampant misogyny, uh, all throughout the country and, um, they can't do certain things like, rakugo um, institutionalized like, misogyny in a lot of ways yeah it, totally that's a great way to put it mm-hmm. and um so characters like kanatsu are told actually you know the the thing for you to do at a rakugo performance you be there to uh you know uh spur on the male performers with your perfume the and your candy. good looks uh just to get them g'd up uh to do to do good that's <laughs> yeah. that's what that's women's power i think kiku uh says and um you know he's a product of his time too and i'm sure he's trying to be well-intentioned and he shows that his beliefs at least evolve at least a little bit at when he's older yeah. um but um maybe maybe in miyokichi's case um Maybe she's someone whose inner turmoil, like if if she was allowed to be more self-directed and had more creative outlets, perhaps that destructiveness would not have like been taken out on the people that she cares about so directly. Yeah. Um, maybe well, she did, lived yeah. in a different place, you know? Well, yeah, and I agree. I mean, she... I am definitely not trying to downplay the idea that she had just about every institutional and financial and cultural disadvantage played against her all at once because, you know, she, she was clearly somebody who was uh, brought up poor in probably a broken home um, in an extremely um, hard time for any Japanese person to live in, especially a Japanese woman. 
mm-hmm. from a you know a, a lower class background. I mean, she she undoubtedly had a very traumatic life. It's very easy to see. Um, I just yeah I I it's certainly not a justification for her actions. Um, totally, totally. And, yeah, it, it's it is hard. It's hard because there's always a balance. There's always a line to walk with trying to understand a person's traumas and a person's, mm. um, yeah, you know, uh, the the reasoning for their actions, regardless of whether or not if it's a justification, um, because a justification, yeah, can only go so far. I mean, when when you results in in death, there's very little <laughs> justification I mean. in the real world for 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 what we see happen in this episode. So. Um, yeah, I mean, when when she says to Kiku that she can't look at her daughter because she realizes I, I birthed him with that, like, she, she's that dirty man's, and so I only get angry. Like, I mean, that's, like, unforgivable. Like, yeah, to me, to me, horrific. dad, IRL dad, like, I can't abide this. Like, yeah. this is a heinous thing for you to feel uh, and say. Um you know, I, yeah. I uh, God, that just that was um, I didn't remember that she was all of this. I mean, of course, I remembered the big uh, death scene and that, uh, you know, she uh, has had suicidal tendencies. But I remember the tragedy of it, but I did, did not remember it, I don't. I don't think it made me as angry the first time. But yeah, I mean, she was just yeah. the, the, oh, oh, like so brazen and so, um, like you said, uh, you know, I mean, she doesn't owe anything to to Sukaroku, but like, I mean, part of her decision her... making resulted in Kanatsu's <laughs> birth, and regardless yeah. of like she did what, that, <laughs> yeah, regardless of what 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 happened before that you know this is a you this is a person this is your person that you you now are you know because of your decision making you owe at least you know uh enough um responsibility to make sure that they have a good life even if that good life is not one that you provide you got to do something you know you got to do something and, and, and I don't know. It, it's just, it's really, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating because I know not for either of them, but like, yeah, I just feel bad for Konatsu. It, it's, I just, you know, knowing that she's not going to have the upbringing that she deserves. Um, yeah. And yep. knowing that she like, you know, essentially grew up like hating her own mom. It's just, it's, it sucks. So. Yeah. Hating her and, and not, you know, not fully hating Kiku, her kind of surrogate father, but like he, he ends up kind of being the, the target for all the kind of her bitterness, uh, and, and just, uh, brokenheartedness and and everything at her at her circumstances, like yeah. she, you know, she dumps it all on him, and you know that's I not entirely very, fair to him. But like, I that's think it's very just easy the to situation. See why a, 
a why a child would feel that way though oh completely oh yeah, com- that's totally definitely a child's understanding of that entire situation i think it's it's pretty easy to see oh yeah how she could have gotten there but um yeah i uh luckily this... there's matsuda for her to cry on exactly <laughs> thank god for that but yeah i mean yes. that's 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 the next episode but but yeah i just uh before we we get there i just wanted to say that yeah that just the the actual scene of 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 their deaths is is probably one of the most devastating things i've ever seen in an anime it's just i mean it's, it's high it is certainly high melodrama and it yeah. is it it is not exactly bereft with realism <laughs> but oh fuck that who cares i don't i don't give a shit <laughs> it, it, it is yeah. genuinely genuinely just um just utterly soul crushing. <laughs> like it, it is. It's, it's the so only brutal. way that I could describe it. I mean, cause I remember watching that for the first time and just being like, no way. No, they're not going to die. They, they, this can't mm-hmm. happen. Like, can't happen. That's not, that's not what this show is. going <laughs> oh. And then it happens. And I was just like, Oh my God, it completely reframed my idea of what the show was going to be when it happened mm. the first time. And seeing it again, you know, I remembered that the feeling that I had the first time that I saw it. But yeah, it's just, yeah, um, just a, a, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's almost weirdly comforting for me in a way because you so rarely see scenes like this, um, of just such high drama and like Mm -hmm. accurately portrayed misery in anime uh you know Mm. most anime like sadness is a very different thing than this Mm. um Mm -hmm. and it's i'm just really appreciative of um it being a brutally sad scene and but also just like absolutely um like poetic and almost like it's almost like a greek tragedy in in how like melodramatic it is it's just genuinely gorgeous uh in a in an incredibly sad (laughs) brutal Mm -hmm. way but but like you know it's gorgeous in the same way that like romeo and juliet is gorgeous you know in its own way even though romeo and juliet is like literally the greatest cliche in literature now (laughs) uh it is there's a reason for that, right? Yeah, there's no denying its beauty and it's mm-hmm. it's it's poetry literally and figuratively, but yeah, it's it's, you know, it's it's very similar to that sort of thing for me, just that that high melodrama is it's just mm. Mm, Give me 5,000 more anime that can do that. <laughs> I know, I know and and I mean, on the one hand, I don't want to say, "Hey, anime, stop doing the sort of uh, soft touch, uh, subtle like cutaways and metaphors and cutting to rain starting or birds flying away to like symbolize what's <laughs> Power happening. Lines. But like, Power lines yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know that that's very good and has its place. But like, I love this too. Like, as a a yeah. fan of folks like Osamu Dezaki and mm. like I the 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 high melodrama is um is is wonderful and and i loved it about this scene and i was just i I went from being pretty pissed off to like um just really heartbroken and yeah like even like and and like you said that there's this like moment when sukaraku discovers them 
uh, like, which, you know, thank goodness he discovered them. Yeah. Um, who, who, who knows, uh, what would have transpired? Yeah. Uh, but, but he's, um, well, I say that maybe if he I mean, hadn't discovered no, them, they could no have been good, alive. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no good, there's no good outcome to this situation. It, it mm. was clearly meant to yeah. be. Somebody was going to die. It just depends on who, you know? <laughs> um, but so when he's in, when he comes in there, you know, he does the thing from the Rakugo story of like, I'll yeah. change, I'll get an honest work, I'll stop doing well, And it and just made me says, so he even, fucking... He even says, there's a reason I picked this story to tell tonight. Like he mm, knew that he was mm. going to have to make this confession at some point. Oh my God. Oh and my he God. He just immediately resigns himself to doing it as soon as he enters that room and sees what's transpiring. But yeah, he, he, yeah. he even literally says to them, you know, it's no coincidence that I picked this story to tell tonight. Like, you know, you both saw it. So. And and he does the thing that, like, Kiku is kind of coming to realize the importance of family in addition to art and sort of dutiful purpose. But dude just, like, runs a million feet past him. He's like, I'll just give it all up. Uh, cause you're all important. This was enough for me. This one moment, this one performance, I'm yeah. good now. If you want me to quit, I quit. And it just made me so again, angry at Miyokichi for spinning this guy into like feeling so guilty about doing the thing that he loves to do because I don't know. It reminds her of a, a jilted lover. Like, yeah. I mean, she really is making his life miserable. Um, yeah. Not again, and, and well, she pointed out not even, not that he didn't do it to her. It's not even that she's making still, his life miserable. It's that he's she's diminishing his worth as a person, and that totally. to me is her worst crime. Is that she is, um, you know, she's it's not necessarily like emasculating because I don't really believe in that idea, but it's like mm, right. it's it is he sees worth in himself for the first time in his life through the performance of Rakugo. Everybody can see it. Kiku sees it. Their dad sees it. Miyokichi refuses to see it, even though she knows that he's good at it. (laughs) Because, yeah, because because it reminds her of a person that she actually loved Mm -hmm. and only got with this poor guy because she wanted revenge, petty revenge, that then turns into a terrible life decision. And, um... Yeah, it, it, that to me is her greatest crime is that she is diminishing the worth that this uh, frankly poor man sees in himself because, mm-hmm. you know, because of just the most bullshit regent reason, selfish, ugly, vindictive reason imaginable. And that is why, yeah, I, I, I can't really forgive her for any of her actions. But um, I mean, obviously, it's you know very easy to not forgive her considering as she resulted in both of their deaths. But Still, it's just even let's if that not wasn't let's the blame case, the inn, blame the shoddy, yeah, the shoddy the, work yeah, of the inn. OSHA clearly, <laughs> OSHA clearly was not it's in the there. balcony. Yeah, it's like a um, local oh. building inspector needs to get sued on that one. Oh, this reminds <laughs> me of a story Vorgalia told on an early podcast episode of uh, I, I think I want to say it's the French dub, it may be the Italian dub, but I think it's the French dub of. The Fist of the North Star TV show. Oh my god! Um, when 
Yuria like jumps off the balcony to commit suicide, basically. In the French dub, they have it such that the railing, <laughs> the railing came out. Oh my god! It's like no, come on, poor workmanship. <laughs> and some, that is that's some fucking <laughs> harmony gold level bullshit. It, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, it's so weird that Fist of the North Star is the show that you're that you're trying to make palatable to younger people. Like, I know there's exactly too much other. Any anyway, um, anyway. <laughs> do you think that the show failed Miyokichi, or do you think like do, do you do you hold this against the show or against Miyokichi? I guess I hold it against Miyokichi, but I also mm. hold it against partially against the Japanese society that the show is portraying mm-hmm. because I, I don't, I do think the good, the show does a good job of portraying, you know, this sort of, uh, Imperial Japan and, and post like immediately post Imperial Japan society is a pretty brutal one. I mean, the fact that, yeah that, um, that Yakumo, the seventh Yakumo and, and Tsukuroku have to go to fricking Manchuria to perform yeah. Rakugo is, yeah. is, is pretty it's a pretty brutal thing to have to do with your son to go to mm-hmm. a, a captured territory. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it, I think the show does do a good job of showing that this, the society is pretty unforgiving. Um, I don't necessarily think that the show failed Miyokichi because I think the show set out exactly what to, what it wanted to do in, in portraying Miyokichi yeah. as a, a pretty vile, um, um, uh, you know, she, she's, she's pretty much the villain of this of this first arc i mean she she's she's you know this this specter this destructive specter that really haunts both of these men's lives um and obviously there are other you know sort of villains but um in terms of like their emotional lives and their emotional well-being she really is a a very a net negative force on both of them for sure yeah well maybe she's like the generational karma of the japanese society visited upon it's like very you know it's it's leading artists if not a product of of her upbringing for sure absolutely that's why i think as vile as she is she's tragic right because she just keeps hitting these walls in her life i mean she's like like kiku she's she was discarded but she, she did not have discarded men can clearly come out of it you know have have a chance to come out of it better i guess that's very true. And um, I think it's easy to for us within the context of the show not to see her as a tragic character because everybody's tragic. So when everybody is the same thing, then everybody's, everybody's on a level playing field because everybody is living a tragic existence in some way. You know, mm-hmm. so yes. it's it's hard. But you're, you're right. I, I, I don't think that she is. I don't think that she's necessary, necessarily blameless, but I do think that there are very easy reasons for to explain you know why she is the kind of person that she is and she clearly you know yeah she she you're right she is the sort of generational trauma she's the culmination within a specific person of the sort of destructiveness of imperial japan uh Mm -hmm. and you know the 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 sort of culture that it raised on its on its citizens um and granted, it's you know certainly not a phenomenon unique to Imperial Japan during this time, right? But since right. that's where this story is taking place, you know, it, it's a it's a perfect representation of you know, yeah, how that society is very destructive to the poor and very destructive to women, um, both inside and out of out of Japan for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, 
Uh, the last thing I want to say about uh, episode 12 was that like this, the story that, uh, that uh, why can't I think it's Tsukuroku tells the, the Rakugo performance he gives about the, the fishmonger mm. and the purse <laughs> and uh, the wife who uh, said, said he was dreaming. Yeah. Um, and that the party uh, he was having was was a, a sweet no the party was real but finding the money was like the sweet dream right right um, that he that he had to wake up from um, and I guess sadly it seems like both of the male characters also had to like <laughs> wake up from like I, I hate I hate saying it that way because it makes it seem like it's inevitable when like we want to give agency and responsibility to Miyokichi uh yeah. for for doing the things she did but like it's just so sad that like Kiku sees all this as like punishment for daring to dream that he could live happily with his with his people he literally says one of the last lines in the episode was i was abandoned again the punishment for my sweet dreams god damn it god damn it <laughs> okay. god damn it is right <sighs> okay all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a ton of notes about episode thirteen. He's very transitional to the next season. What about you? It is. It is very transitional. Um, I did observe that. Um, you know, so in in episode ten during the seventh Yakumo's funeral, Matsuda-san remarks that um, uh, Kiku was a, a a very good appointed mourner and uh, oh, never right. even cried in front of the mourners as if he's yeah. like strong and not just like an incredibly distant and cold yeah. person in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which again is Matsudasan showing that he's just an incredibly affectionate person that sees the good in everybody. Um, but you can really see that here in Kiku not crying at, at this quote unquote funeral, even though it's literally just them leaving Man. The, the funerary with, with the ashes. I mean, that, that to me is, one of the most devastating things is just, it's just like, there's not even a funeral. It, it's just, I mean, cause like, you know, who would come just them. That's, that's, yeah. they're, they're the only ones. So, um, and he finally cries when in the weirdest possible moment for him to cry, which right. is when he's sitting in front of the, the, the association president, um, essentially admitting to himself and to, to the president that he, that he is going to take the name. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's nobody else left. <laughs> yeah, no. And he kind of has to. Um, yeah. But, yeah. There's a another moment in this episode that I, I well, liked is a, maybe the wrong... <laughs> <laughs> like is, is very hard to say about any of this shit, but um, I did really, uh, you know, appreciate it where, um, uh, you know, Konatsu is, is finally sort of uh, saying her... Um, you know, sort of thesis statement for her attitude in the rest of the show, which is eventually I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, essentially she wants to kill him for, for quote unquote, killing killing her father. Um, but he responds to her saying for the first time that she wants to kill him with, uh, he says, kill me then I'd feel much better, <sighs> which is like, fuck oh, dude. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just a really, Devast- and that's, I think, one of the last lines that he says before the uh, uh, mm-hmm. jump forward in time, but um, which sort of sets up what their actual relationship will look like through the rest of the show, which is 
um, loving but immensely contentious as well. Almost always belligerent and uh, yeah, uh, uh, very sarcastic, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's kind of how how Kiku develops too into his old age, which I I, I actually really appreciate is that him mm-hmm. just sort of becoming a, a a sarcastic old spinster bastard <laughs> in his old age, which I really like. It rules. He's great. Yeah, it's really awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, this is where we jump forward again uh, for the first the time present. in like 12 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to say right off the bat that I still have trouble believing that Yotaro is voiced by Tomokazu Seki because this is um, not necessarily an atypical role for him because he voiced a lot of roles like this in the 90s. Um, uh, a, lot, a lot of comedic sort of more upbeat roles. But of course I'm, mm. you know, I'm a child of the, the, the early two thousands anime scene. So I know him much more for, um, you know, roles like, uh, Gilgamesh in fate, which is very haughty. And oh, is that really him? <laughs> yeah. He's Gilgamesh no in fate. He's also the bones of creation in Thunderbolt <laughs> fantasy, which is a very similar performance of just, you know, I know him more as these sort of like deep voiced, very haughty, mm-hmm. very superior characters where in this, it barely even sounds like him to me. And that to me I is all, have all the yes. more impressive. Um, he just is, is uh, again, uh, another one of these, you know, just sort of older generation Seiyu who is just giving uh, the performance of their lives. And, you know, we haven't seen much of that yet. Um, we do thankfully see him finally do a little bit of rock ago here in this episode, but um, yeah, mm. it's just, Oh, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy that that it's him uh, and mm. he gets to do this, you know, a little bit more playful, a little bit more upbeat uh, role. It's just really refreshing uh, for, you know, what his his career has become, essentially. Yeah, super fun performance. Um, yeah. The only big notes I have for this episode are that, like, um, that you can kind of see the wheels turning on, like, oh, no, uh all the bad shit from the seventh and eighth generation seems like it's just going to, it has every chance in the world of repeating, right? Because yep. you got, uh, uh, Yota wanting to inherit the name of Sukaroku. So Sukaroku is back haunting the, uh, the, the master of the, the previous generation. You got, uh, Konatsu in the picture, having a child, mm-hmm. uh, without, uh, a father around, um, I'm I am praying that this child does not have the at least at least for now Kiku and Matsuda are there and yeah. to have some stability in this this little child's life. Yeah. I mean uh, and that was such a cool also like you mentioned the magical realism that like yes. uh comes into play in his old age and Kiku's old age you know vi- being visited by Tsukiroku at the at the grave of the 7th generation was so cool. Uh what yeah, a great there is a lot more stuff like that to come in the second season uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, like actual magical realism as you know, like it's not just a storytelling device. This is like something that is like manifested, be it in the mind of Kikuhiko who might be addled in his old age, or it might actually be happening in some way. I won't spoil that, you know, for the rest of the show, but it is, yeah, it's a, 
it's definitely a foretelling of things to come down the line for for Kikuko specifically because he's just about the only character who's still alive that experiences it. Mm. And that is all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Yeah. The, also, the president's a dick. I just want to put that out there. What a dick. Yeah. He's, like He's playing a role that he needs to play. Because, you know, I think about... Uh, he reminds me a lot of the Shogi uh, Association president from March Comes In Like a Lion. Because uh, he, th- even though... The Shogi Association president is a much more like uh, sort of comedic character than than this one is. They're both assholes and they're both necessary assholes because I I get the feeling that you kind of have to be an old curmudgeonly dick to be the president of, you know, essentially a dying art, you know, so you do. You do. I just can't help being annoyed at, uh, you know, well, Sukuroku's dead. He yeah, leaves a sucks. hole. He leaves a hole in my soul too. Like, well, no, <laughs> not a big hole. Your ass was not at the funeral. <laughs> yeah, I bet you didn't even remember him until I mentioned his name. You dickhead. Yeah, but. you wouldn't even talk to him face to face the last time you talked. You looked at the wall because yeah. he was not worth looking upon. Yeah. Uh, well, again, fuck. it's it's this it's it's um again a product of of that time and a product of of Japanese culture in general is measuring one's worth based on their pursuits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to these people, I mean, I've look, I've known people like that. My, my old band director in high school was just as much of an asshole as this guy was measured. My entire worth was as to whether or not I could play trumpet in jazz band, which is the stupidest measure of a high schooler's worth you could possibly put on them. Oh, but it's man. like, yeah, it's it's you can tell when people measure other people solely by, you know, it's the same thing as like, you know, uh, uh, you know, like v- capitalists measuring people solely by their ability to right. work, you know, sure. or by their yeah. work ethic, as if work ethic is something that should define <laughs> your worth, worth as a human being, you know, it's it's. It's similar to that to me. So I, yeah, you know, you're right. He's an asshole. <laughs> he can get fucked. Get fucked. Stop yeah. capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Fuck capitalism. Uh, that's, fuck the, capitalism. that's the message. That's the yeah. message from this final episode. Yeah. And also, uh, birth control is good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not, um, not, not plentifully available in no. uh, 1940s Japan, unfortunately. No, no. I would imagine. Um, um and even if it was right i mean it's well yeah. anyway uh, um i don't know what i'm trying to say um anybody's guess i was yeah i was gonna tell a story from french history that i just decided not to i think is what happened in my brain there um right. so so uh more to say about 13 or shall we give our thoughts on the series as a whole uh yeah, I think thirteen is just you know your 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 basic uh, bridge between seasons. So I I, I don't really have much else to say mm-hmm. uh, beyond that. Twelve is clearly the climax of the season. Um, I can't wait for to see season two now. Like oh, it's so good. Oh, it's we're so definitely good. we're definitely continuing this. Uh, it is every bit as good in utterly different ways than than ooh. the first season. So um, very interesting. I really, yeah, I really enjoy it. <laughs> really good awesome yeah okay so you've said that you think this is one of the best anime ever made without um, question 
do you are you so do you have like a uh, a numbered list in your head of your tops or just sort of like it's in the top tier i i think this would at least be within the top three i Mm -hmm. i struggle to think of any anime that has more uh of a emotional impact than this one did on me um and I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, it's like, oh, this anime made me cry a lot. I, I just, I I think about this anime still, 40 years mm. on, more than than most. Um, and I, I just think that I, I, part of it is just me and the importance that I place on certain things within storytelling. Like, I really, really, really enjoy time and the passage of time being used as a storytelling device. I really enjoy generational stories. Mm. I really uh, am fascinated by, um, you know, uh, like parental and sibling relationships within generational stories and like how, you know, the sins of the father type type stuff. Sure. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, it's why Metal Gear Solid Five is such a great game. <laughs> you know what I was gonna say? I was gonna say, heavy big Fire Emblem fan, are you? Yeah, Fire Emblem <laughs> yeah. is another great example yeah. of that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just you know that yeah, Sins of the Father is definitely such a fascinating thing to me and a fascinating thing to explore. And I I think this, you know, even though it's not really a direct representation of Sins of the Father exactly it should just be like sins of the progenitor or sins of whoever came before Mm -hmm. me like um even though it's like less sins and more just like shit that went wrong (laughs) sure yeah Yeah. bad shit that happened to my Mm -hmm. my parents or my my brother or whatever like getting passed down but yeah i I just it's um I think, yeah, it's just a, it's a dramatic achievement that I can't really draw a parallel with in anime. Um, And it's like, you know, a lot of people would probably say it probably didn't need to be an anime. Um, You know, I I think you could make just as good of a live. uh, Yeah, but I, I do think that this is like a rare occasion where I would see a live action version of this show and it could be every bit as good as it would be an anime. Um because thankfully, you know, most of the show isn't relying on the, like the spectacular, you know, animation or things that can only happen within anime. But I'm glad that it was. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that we got to see these specific voice actors lend their talents to this, because I think there there is definitely something freeing about dedicating, you know, this vocal performance um, to like playing a character, playing a character, playing a character, like all these different like tiers um, yes. I struggle to think of anything quite this good or important in like the world of voice acting. Like I genuinely, regardless of language, don't think I've I've ever seen anything this impressive. Um, mm. And on this scale, I mean, I think just on the merits of the voice acting alone, I would say this is probably one of the greatest anime ever made. But just like the in terms of the the pacing the directing, the use of color, the magical realism, the meaningfulness of just about every character that appears in the show, the voice acting, the music, which we, I didn't even, you know, I usually, yeah. uh, it should tell you, anybody that knows me <laughs> should tell you about like how good I think this anime is that I haven't even mentioned the music yet because it's just like, 
there's so much else here to talk about. I mean, like every aspect of the show is near flawless. I mean, there's, you know, there's clear corner cutting uh, that's happening in the animation and in the, you know, storyboarding or whatever that are just like necessary aspects of both it being produced at Studio Dean, unfortunately, and uh, uh, it being a TV anime, which is incredibly hard to make nowadays. Um, mm. But given what they had, it's pretty much perfect. I mean, I, I would not change a single thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is easily one of the best anime ever made in terms of just like pure... Um, like pure weight of contribution to the medium of anime. This is like, uh, hmm. I, I, I cannot think of anything like it really. It's just a unparalleled work to me. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I, that very, very ringing endorsement from Ono anime for, yeah. Yeah. You can or... consider that an official Ono anime. <laughs> I know Patrick would agree with me too because we've we've talked about this in at, at, at length um, on our show when it was when it was first airing. I mean, I think uh, literally like one of the first things out of both of our mouths at the end of uh, you know when the when the final episode aired was like, yeah, this is one of the best. Ever. It was like even back then we were like, this is one of the best anime ever ever made. Period. Like it was just so immediately apparent to 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 both of us um the importance of this show and i think you know in a way it's very poetic that i don't think that it really has gotten the recognition that it is it deserves in japan isn't it though here yeah um it is a it is for a very select group of people and i think that that it in fact because it was an anime and not a live action product project it really as a result of that didn't get the uh, appreciation and acknowledgement that it, that it would have gotten if it was a live action um, thing. You know, if somebody were to like make this into like a memoirs of a geisha level, like uh, uh, you know, Japanese Hollywood cross production, it would mm -hmm. like, it would win Oscars. I have absolutely no doubt that if it was done right, it would, it would do that. But just, you know, it, it, it didn't happen that way. And the fact that it was told as a manga instead of a book and as an anime instead of a live action TV show or movie, I think that uh, just due to the nature of the perception of those types of media in Japan and in many ways over here, even though I don't think America has as many hang ups about animation as as uh, um, Japan does in terms of prestigiousness, um, thanks to like Pixar and all that shit. But, yeah, we've... Um, uh... We we've come come a ways over over a couple decades for sure. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think we have our own problems when it comes to like a quote unquote adult animation and seeing animation as like an adult form of entertainment. But we certainly do not have any qualms with like giving very prestigious awards to animation. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that you know it is very poetic in a way that, uh, that that this show doesn't get the the recognition it deserves hmm. i mean if, if it was my choice it would it would be you know the most highly recognized anime ever made but but that's just you know not <laughs> not the way things work but but i'm you know it, it does feel like being in a cool club to hmm. be among the select few group of people that really realize this show's worth um as as a work of art and and a, a, a like sort of irreplaceable 
um, cultural window as an American into an era of Japan and a look into a Japanese art form that we just don't get over Mm -hmm. here. So apparently there is a, a a live action film according to Lucy. Yeah. Oh shit. Um, in chat, uh, I wonder how that did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I probably in keeping with the rest of it. Right. Uh, was, uh, was, um, uh, not as well received as as it deserved, and yeah, um, I, I will I will say that I do I stand behind everything you said. Like it's funny when it first aired and I and I watched it. I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I I can look back on my list that I made that year, and <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing now. <laughs> I have it as my I have it as like my number four best anime of the year. <laughs> <laughs> actually shit you know what i wonder i feel like it was our anime of the year back back in 2016 but i would actually have to probably go back like into our podcast and look but uh, i am mine um, actually might have been sound euphonium that year i think uh, that was the year before i think that was 2015 oh yeah you're probably right but yeah, no. I <laughs> I have Yuri on Ice was on that list. Um, oh, fuck, you're right. That might have been that might have been mine. <laughs> I it, that's I, embarrassing what, to think about now. <laughs> well, Yuri well, on Ice is cool. It was my I had yeah. it as number eight. Um, uh, I I have my top ten list. So, what did I have above it though? I think I had um, uh, I didn't even have Mob Psycho above it. Um, I think <laughs> I'm a big, you may not know this about me or maybe you do. Certainly the chat knows that, uh, recency bias is a thing I suffer greatly from. Oh yeah. And, uh, something everybody suffers from. <laughs> uh, I mean, but to, to a degree that is deeply just a, a problem such that right before I put my list together, I was watching a bunch of stuff so I could make what I thought was an adequate list. And I watched all of Ray Zero and I have that as my anime of the year. (laughs) I was so into it at the time. (laughs) But looking back, it's like, holy shit. Like, Ray Zero is fun. (laughs) I'm sorry. My favorite show overall of 2016. I'm literally looking at our, thankfully we made a a YouTube video of that podcast with uh, captions that I put in and, uh, looky here, my favorite overall show, Show Again Roku Rakugo Shinju. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There we go. I knew I had to give it to that spot. <laughs> Patrick's, of course, was Love Live Sunshine. I will not hold that against him. It's okay. It's all right. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for that. Love Live Sunshine is very good. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, my confusion was my favorite original series was Your I see. Ice, and then favorite overall was Rakugo. Yeah, that was a good choice on my part, I think. No regrets there. No, Still not at up. all. Actually, funnily enough, yeah, Rakugo was my best anime of 2016 and 2017, considering that the second season aired. Yeah, there you go. In 2017, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember that specifically. Now, I thought that was really funny, but I was just like, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, nothing even came. Nothing else even came close. Oh, you Ufo season two was that year. That was my yeah. number two. And then yeah. 
and then yeah. erased. Yeah, same, same. I love to race like adaptation or whatever. We always did this thing where we did like favorite original, favorite adaptation, and then favorite overall, uh-huh. so that we could get away with choosing three different animes as our favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah. uh, l- looking back on it now, I mean, l- like I said, I thought it was really good when it came out. I mean, I, I was this is great, but um, I know <laughs> Blue Sea is ashamed of me. You you should be ashamed. Um. <laughs> I mean, I've I've rewatched just about all that stuff, and uh, I mean, I think the only thing that would be in the same galaxy as Rakugo is probably Mob Season One. Oh, um, yeah. oh and oh, UFO yeah. Two is UFO Two is really good. I mean, I don't want to well, knock UFO again, Two hard. Yeah, you know, I said this when we were both on Anime's Lit. I also think Mob Psycho is one of the best anime ever made. It's so. it's it is one yeah. of the best. I I adore that show. It's it's in my yeah. personal favorite top five for sure. But like, yeah. I really have to now think hard about like kind of where I slot this because uh, and maybe I should just wait until I've seen all of it. But I mean, you just should. this season, you definitely <laughs> should. But but the storytelling is is just masterful. It is yeah. it is a masterful storytelling. It is uh, a clinic in good direction. Um, it is uh, wonderfully told, subtly told. Uh, when it needs to, and as as we said, melodramatic also at times. It is uh, this transmission of culture, which yeah. is fittingly what Rakugo itself is. You know, the storytelling mm-hmm. uh, verbally passed down. And we're being passed down a piece of Japanese history by the show. The show is telling us a Rakugo uh, yeah. of, of this little slice of of Japanese history. And yeah. the ca- the character work is like, I mean, it's pretty unparalleled, honestly. I mean, it's yeah, the the things that are that are going on with the characters are amazing, and and I also will speak to like love of generational storytelling because, um, it was just because I care about history and because yeah. I think like people sort of it, it it takes I think some doing to get people at least where I'm from to kind of acknowledge that like they did not just pop into this world, like a little prime mover to use Aristotle's language to kind of unbound by the past before. And it's like, well, I'm freely making these decisions based on my own acumen and reason alone. It's like, well, there's actually so many things that you just, we don't even know that are informing us not to get too deterministic, but, um, but that shit, matters a lot and it matters in rakugo shinju uh deeply and uh and people suffer for it and that's one of the reasons i think being an ethical person is important uh yeah to to get a little personal i don't think there's a person that's lived in history that hasn't in some way suffered because of the mistakes of their parents i mean it's 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 it's, it's, as endemic to life as breathing is. I mean, it's, it's, mm. you know, unless you were born in a freaking tube, unless you're, unless you're Mega Man or Android Kakaider, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you know, and even Android Kakaider suffered greatly because of his father's mistakes. So, <laughs> have but, you seen the live action Kikaida? I, I have not. My only experience of, of anything related to Kakaider is Android Kakaider, the animation which was one of the first shows on Adult Swim's original yeah. anime block back in the day. Still, I, you want oh. to talk about sad. 
That is one of the saddest shows I have ever seen still I'm, to this day. Mm-hmm. I missed it then, and I've always wanted to see it. Oh, but it's so I, good. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't say it's so good, but it's definitely like worth watching. Yeah, no, I'm really watch. interested, and I have uh, gotten a hold of the like the um, the Tokusatsu Kikaider, and yeah. uh, it's wild, man. <laughs> It's it is really crazy. <laughs> I bet you it is. <laughs> Just deeply strange, <laughs> but in a, in a wonderful way. That's a very that is a very good description of pretty much all Tokusatsu, especially from yes. that era. Deeply yes. strange, but wonderful <laughs> yep. in its own way. <laughs> oh, just a, carries around a red guitar like it's. Yeah. Well, he carries a, around a guitar in the in the anime. Too, in the anime, so. okay, okay. Oh, yeah. And does he have yep. the bike with the little bucket seat? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so I, tremendous. I there are definitely some liberties taken with that. But yeah, the guitar <laughs> and the motorcycle definitely uh definitely are retained in the anime <laughs> in certain ways. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, but yeah, I think I guess when I see the whole story, then I'll think, okay, where do I where do I place this in in my personal It'll be interesting like, favorites to see. and this? I, I Definitely, the second season did not do anything to uh, temper my enthusiasm for the show. Let's just say that. I think it's um, just an incredible continuation of, of where... I actually want to say that I probably like the second season more than I more than I like the first. Um, just because wow. I'm, I'm so infatuated with Yotaro and Konatsu's mm. own personal character arcs. Uh, sort of set against the sort of... Uh, tapering off of Kikuhiko's. It's just, there's so much going on there in the second season with the development of Rakugo and the, the development of these characters. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really good. I, I don't want to say any, any more, any more than that, but it's really good in some different ways. But yeah, if you enjoy the generational storytelling, if you enjoy these people, you know, trying to escape the strictures of, the cycle of trauma and regret and you know, all of that, you'll definitely really enjoy the second season. I oh, feel man. like so. Yeah. Very, very excited. I'm very yeah, excited to really see good. it. Um, and we'll just repeat what I, what we both said at the beginning. Um, you know, Kiku Seiyu, uh, I'm just an all world performance. I mean, and I think, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to be like, Oh, Hey, like, um, uh, Koichi Yamadera like wasn't as good. I mean, I think he deserves all the plaudits in the world, but like, I guess Akira like Shida is carrying the most weight in the show because he's the main character and he's voicing this character over forty or fifty years of his life. I mean, that, nobody right. else is doing that. Yeah, and there's, oh, I, yeah, there and there's just something. I don't know, man. There's just something so haunting, and um, there's just a depth to to the work Ishida's doing here. That uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not as familiar, at least off the top of my head. I'd have to look at the CV to know, but like, uh, I can't recall like other great performances or anything like that. Just because I don't, I'm not familiar with um with Seiyu as much as I ought to be. But like, I feel like did it get better than this for the guy? I mean, he just this was incredible. Akira Ishida has had so many memorable roles over the years, but I don't think that anybody that has acted in this show has, has been in anything quite like this mostly because I just genuinely don't think that there has been an anime 
that has so unleashed the true dramatic potential of anime seiyu because it's just like that's not usually what their job is yeah that's a great point they're not theater actors like they are in this show it's it's the 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 grand uh melodrama and the 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 what they're calling on them to do in this show is so different than than modern you know what modern anime often will ask a character to do i mean i can name plenty of akira ishida roles that have that have made me laugh on the the floor crying like like he plays katsura in in gintama and he's 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 so funny in that role but i can't really and you know i know he's played roles of incredibly fantastic drama over his over his years but I mean, he was fucking Kuro Nagisa. <laughs> like, he's oh wow, he's wow. an iconic. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's voiced some iconic. Holy cow. characters. Yeah, I mean, we've we you know, Akira Shida has voiced many Damn. iconic characters, and Megumi Hayashibara was also Rei Ayanami, and oh and yeah, Koji Yamadera is Spike Spiegel. So it's like <laughs> you know, we have some incredibly, incredibly gifted seiyu in the show, but even in 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 the best works that they've been in. I don't think that we've ever seen them truly unleashed like they are in this show. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a different, it's a different thing entirely. It's like a different species. It's like trying mm-hmm. to compare a tiger to a house cat. It's like, you know, they, they, their, their, their talents are unleashed in many ways, but I don't think that we've really ever seen something quite like this. Mm-hmm in an anime and if we have it's been a very long time <laughs> and i don't know about it yeah but yeah 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 it's I, truly I, insane it's so important um yeah i agree I, th- I think for for that reason for all the reasons we talked about it's an incredibly important piece of piece of art so and i also um, i have to say that i i i don't think i i think the idea that voice actors would be uniquely suited to performing rakugo is undercovered when people talk about this show because Rakugo so so often is about vocal performance and mm. and doing character voices yeah that there's no one better if you're just talking about simply from a vocal perspective which you know if we're talking this is an anime so they're not responsible yeah. for physical performance voice actors are perfectly suited for this type of um this type of thing so you know, I think it's really interesting that that's, you know, an aspect of this show's immense success when it comes to voice acting is, you know, this idea that voice actors are actually, you wouldn't think about it, but they're really well suited to to doing this sort of thing. So maybe maybe this is why it's an anime, right? Maybe this is one of the it's big possible. Uh, factors. It's certainly possible. I mean, if I was the creator of that manga, I certainly would want people like Akira Ishida <laughs> doing the Rakugo in my stories because... I mean, my God, I can't imagine any live action actor imbuing their vocal performance with that level of of just perfection, basically. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And what a pull to get Megumi, right? I mean, yeah, probably the the most famous. I feel like over here, she's the most famous anime voice actress. Is that a stretch? She is in in Japan is is easily one of, if not the most famous uh, uh, voice actresses. I mean, she's she's a. Other than like Maya Sakamoto, who is sure. arguably as as famous for her her pop music career 
as she is as a voice actress. I think in terms of just purely voice acting, there really isn't anybody in Japan uh, of, you know, of the female persuasion that is that is more uh, uh, revered than than Megumi Hayashibara. And she is literally, just by sheer numbers, the most prolific voice actress in Japanese history. She, 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 she voiced more f- characters than anybody else. And she's been in high demand for, you know, 20, 25 years. So, um, and, and has only stopped being in demand because she has retired. <laughs> she was, this is one of her, this is one of her final big roles. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, she's, she's, she is a, like, like a, a literal goddess at this point. Like she's, she's rightfully revered because she is, um, just of a, you know, a rare, uh, not not to use this term too much during this podcast, but is a true generational talent for sure. Totally. So. Uh, well, I mean, any other Rakugo Shinji thoughts? I think I've pretty much uh, extended every hyperbole I possibly could <laughs> about this show. It's, I just, I can't say enough good about it. It is truly uh, just a, a magnificent, magnificent uh, piece of, of art. Um, mm-hmm which is <laughs> it really is rarely I mean, say that about anime that it is art but it is right i mean all anime is art just by by purview of the definition of art and i yes. certainly don't want to cheapen anime no way but uh, this is a work of of uh true cultural uh value i feel like yeah and it's it, it just has a different purpose i think it it's than... different it, it, it it's different. Rakugo Shinju, it's different. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh be, it, because it it's uh it's a you threw, <laughs> threw me off my game. Um uh, no. That's all I can think of as soon as you It's said good. That, but... It's good. Um it has these different aims like you said to 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 be um I think uh, sort of more than um, a vehicle for merchandise or more than, uh, well, maybe more than is, I don't want, again, like you said, I don't want to uh, unfairly kind of deride uh, anime who are equal parts art and product, but like, well, we, this yeah, is not we really a product. Yeah, the, 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 the cold hearted uh, capitalism that goes into making anime. Nobody is making an anime. Almost nobody is making an anime because they 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 aren't wanting to make money off of it. I mean, even even Rakugo Shinju was made to sell the manga. That's that's why anime are made. Yeah, um, but true. it's clear that the people that were put in the position to actually make the anime here, not the financial backers, not the production committee, but like the the people, the boots on the ground, mm-hmm. cared for this source material enough to um make it essentially perfect i mean it's it's thankfully you know talent has a lot to do with that but i think you know um you know they everybody says that you can't really be good at something without also liking it or Mm. or it's really easy to be good at something if you also like it um and you could really tell the 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 love and the the appreciation for the source material that the creators of the show had because it's really you know it's just um about as good of an adaptation of source material i could ever 
hope for. So. What's up? Are you staying? Just for a few minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be, I'll be out then after a little while, but I'll, I'll call security. Okay. I don't know if I'm supposed to be feeling dead air right now. Yeah. We'll see you. Bye. Hello, everybody in the chat. I can't. I don't know what you're saying. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to be filling dead air there or not. <laughs> Oh, it's good. I I muted the stream, so only you oh, only you are allowed okay. to hear. Okay, <laughs> only well, when you, you go back to, to <laughs> when you go back to edit this, you'll hear me frantically whispering. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be filling dead air here or not. <laughs> Sorry, impromptu uh, impromptu colleague poking head in office saying, "Oh, no worries. The building is closing. No uh, worries. So yeah, we're, we're all good. Um, okay." Uh, Blue C in chat says, um, no, yeah, totally. Blue C says, uh, (laughs) Megumi, uh, is Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop. So she's worked with, um, the Sukuroku Seiyu before. Totally. Um, I think. She has worked with both of them before, I want to say. Oh, that's uh, cool. Because they're also both very prolific. prolific, right? They're all very prolific Seiyu. So, so she will always and forever be Lena inverse to me first and foremost. Like that is, was my introduction to her. Another just earth-shatteringly important <laughs> role on the long line of very important roles that she has Man, had. Well, I'm so I'm I am flattered on behalf of the slayers that you would, <laughs> that no, you I mean, would but important for her for sure. Um yeah. no doubt. Uh I would say pretty important in in 90s anime history. Slayers does not get its due nowadays like mo- a lot of 90s anime, but fuck uh, yeah, dude. Slayers Slay- uh, I would say Slayers is on the level of Tenchi Muyo. But people don't remember it as much, Slayer, which is disappointing. Slayer's pod. Let's do it. <laughs> I have so a Slay- I have an original Slayer's next animation cell, actually, <gasps> uh, that wow. I got for a video that I have not made yet. But it's a, it is a, a good... Actually, hold on. I'll go grab it. Hold on. Mark jaunting off to uh, grab the animation cell. This is me um, providing uh, for the podcast piece of this. If this gets ends up getting left in the podcast, and he's back, he's approaching I the microphone. I also had the Genga for it. Ooh, I don't know who these. I, I can't remember who these characters are, but they're oh both my god, Slayer's next. Oh, I did. That's an original Slayer's next animation cell. I should remember her name. the The green uh, swirl haired lady original Genga oh. for it and then as a bonus she's such a troublemaker Genga from vampire hunter d bloodlust <gasps> Ooh, <laughs> this guy yes yeah yes it is uh crazy crazy cheap to get animation cells in Genga off of ebay i think this cost <laughs> me about 40 bucks all told <laughs> wow that rules yeah. that's so cool yeah i mean there are no like spirit bomb like 1.5 million dollar you know goku animation cells but they will be useful for whatever i get around to making a video about animation every once in a while yes <laughs> yes anyway sorry about that distraction i just i've no that was fun show off my animation i'm, I'm super happy i'm super happy any reason to talk about slayers i'm totally here for because yeah. it's one it's a it's a show that um again like you use the word important. I w- I will also use the word important. It's a very personally important show to me, I, which is probably weird some people out that I would say that, but it's it's means a lot to me. 
I don't um, know why it is not more fondly remembered with the bigger anime of the nineties. I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's weird that it hasn't, uh, survived as much here. I think it is still very fondly remembered in Japan, but, uh, still light novels to be made, aren't there? I don't know. That's a good question, but if I wouldn't be surprised, I think so. Um, I think, well, I say still as in it's been continuously going on. I, I think there was a break, but I think there is a relatively new one. Um, wow. That that has come out. But I, my guess, not to go off on too, too big of a tangent <laughs> too here, much of a slayer but, uh, but my, I, I have a theory about this, and that is that um, back when uh, the Slayer's heyday uh, over here, you know, which of course was a delay uh, from Japan. Yeah, so like this would be right. late 90s, early aughts, um, whenever Slayer's was getting popular here. My theory is that... Um, you know, this was pre-social media, uh, sort of, uh, uh, I think, like maybe some gatekeepers, so to speak, some some very important voices, critical voices uh, in uh, the Western industry in terms of like covering anime, reviews, etc., yeah. uh, sort of opinions, tastemakers, though I think a lot of those folks were down on Slayers. And so yeah. I think that uh, was like the first step in pushing it out of like cultural consciousness. Yeah, that's my theory. That makes sense. Gatekeepers will gatekeep. No doubt. They um, like to do that. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, Sorry this for has starting that. <laughs> I was no, I'm I'm always happy to talk about this show. Seriously. <laughs> um, well, I guess so. Now. It falls to me to conclude things. Um, this has been Watery Desho's uh, Desho the Third, uh, our <laughs> our third anime series that we're covering per season. Um, Rakugo season one is done. Uh, we move along to Rakugo season two for next time. Uh, super pumped about that. Um, Shadon, in all likelihood, will be back for that one. Um, I want to, uh, first of all, thank our patrons. Thank you so much for the support that uh, you always show us and for um, the fun times in the Discord, et cetera, et cetera. And if you are listening to this on the free, uh, then and you would like to be part of our community or just uh, support us financially, um, which you certainly don't have to do. Um, I mean, God knows trying times these days, but, but if you uh, are so inclined... You can head over to patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. That's patreon.com slash Uh There are three budget-friendly tiers um, from 2 to $5. $5 a month gets you everything that we make, uh, all pods, all extras, all access. Uh, you can look at the 2 and $3 uh, list of rewards uh, if those suit your budget better. Uh, but yeah, head over there and see if there's anything that uh, tickles your fancy. Um, but and of course, uh, if you you know cannot support us that way, all good. You are valid. We love you. Uh, but you would and you would like to still like do your part. Uh, you can always subscribe to us on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Twitter. Um, share our stuff, like our stuff, 
Give us ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast app. That will increase our discoverability. Um, and clicking all the thumbs ups and the bells and everything helps us on YouTube. So uh, with my shilling out of the way, I will now uh, turn the floor over to Mark to uh, once again give a quick plug for his work uh, since he has definitely impressed you. I know. I can <laughs> I can feel it. He has impressed you all over the course of this pod. Well, uh, yeah, ono, uh, onoanime.moe or onoanime.com. That's basically all you need to know. That's where all of our links live. Uh, there's a lot of them there. So if you're interested in just about any possible facet of anime culture or Japanese culture in some ways, uh, we've probably covered it at one point. And you can, I think we're mostly active YouTube uh, and, and my personal Twitter is where we're mostly active. (laughs) (laughs) But my personal Twitter is on there as well. So you'll have no trouble finding that. A top username, in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you. Vermillionaire is a fantastic username. Thank you so much. About 385 other people agree with you. (laughs) And that number is dwindling daily. (laughs) (laughs) Just as it should be. Oh boy, um, all, all the how, better. In my opinion, that's how you know you're doing well on Twitter. If you're constantly trickling, losing followers, and then you get like a really big bump at some point because you have a viral tweet, and then right. you slowly start losing them again. That's, them. <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you know you're doing well on Twitter. <laughs> yes the the leaky bottle that is uh, Twitter following. <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, uh, so he's at Vermillionaire with a three at the end. I am at the Subtle Doctor on Twitter. And uh, it has been a pleasure, uh, Marcos, uh, doing oh, this yeah. with you. This has been a treat. As always, I I cannot thank you enough for A, um, filling in for Shadon, who was not uh, able to be here. This is infinitely better with two people than just <laughs> me talking or something like that. Right. Uh, and your all your insight and uh, eloquence and uh, knowledge, uh, just um, fantastic time. And uh, you, your contribution is always much much appreciated. I appreciate that. Those are very very kind words. And uh, yeah, it's always it's always so fun to come on. I mean, it's it's uh, a pleasure. And I don't get to guest on very many podcasts nowadays, so it's uh, it's it's a, a privilege and a pleasure and uh, an honor. I don't. Know. <laughs> Is that too I'll much? I'll take it. I've been I'll doing, take I've it. been doing really good with hyperbole this episode, <laughs> so I'll just say it's the honor of my lifetime. Uh, <laughs> I've never known. I've never known a greater pleasure. Uh, oh my! <laughs> <laughs> physical or mental? <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Let me check that in one all, off the In all box. seriousness, thank you so much. And I, uh, I will, uh, I'll be waiting for the next call. <laughs> well, um, our, our folks love having you as, as much as we do. So you will be getting that call because you make us smarter. And we wow. always appreciate that. Um, that is well, very good to know that my four years of Bachelor of Arts in religion did not go to waste. <laughs> Oh man, we need. <laughs> I you've you've said that before, but then I forget that you, we 
we should talk about our college degree sometime. That's that will be <laughs> that'll be a whole podcast. <laughs> that be that'll so be much like fun. that'll be another three hours that people can bang their heads against a wall against. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, yeah. I had a minor in religion, uh, almost a major, uh, but uh, I went the humanities route and minored in politics and religion. So oh, uh, Lord. yeah, it's yeah such again th- and I. Cl- use them every single day <laughs> i don't uh yeah. but we'll we'll yeah we should deep dive on that sometime but um oh, yeah. let's get out of here uh let's let the the patrons and everyone get out of here and uh <laughs> i will uh sign off as i we usually do and say as ronka iconically says in macross frontier embrace each other everyone to the ends of the universe good night yak to culture <laughs> Thank you.